0: Dude, I am pumped up for today's broadcast. Also a little frazzled, and I'll explain that in terms of interaction with uh, folks that are on heavy medications. What What am I saying? No, I'm not discriminating against people on drugs. I'm just acknowledging that there's a certain energy that it brings with it if you're sensitive to that energy. So we'll talk about that also. Breaking news on a New York midwife who apparently falsified thousands of vaccine records because she utilized homeoprophylaxis instead of the, the, the injections. Is she a hero? Is she a criminal? We'll talk about that. Also, guess who's back? Dr. Joseph Latipo. Dr. Joe from Florida, Surgeon General. We love him and his wife, although she's not on today. But we're going to talk about what's going on with the COVID injection there in Florida. Uh, The homeopathic hit of the day relates to headaches. That's coming up. And the 10th Amendment Center. You know him. You love him. Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center joins us in hour two to get us to the weekend. So stand by. Lots of health, freedom, and healing liberty on tap on the Robert Scott Bell Show. RobertscottBell.com slash listen for the chat room. Wave high, and we'll see you there in just a moment. Let's get this party started.
1: The Robert Scott the Bell, Robert Bell Show. Scott Bell Show. the voice of health, freedom, and liberty, here's Robert Scott Bell.
0: I am uh, genuinely pumped up for today's broadcast, particularly because in the first hour we've got Dr. Joe Latipo joining us again from Florida, and he's doing amazing work as Surgeon General there. I don't know that he's getting a lot of love from the mainstream, uh, lamestream, pharmaceutical conflicted media, but uh, we got a lot of love and appreciation for him here. And uh, that's coming up momentarily. Also, Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center. Our, uh, was it bi-weekly, semi-weekly? Never remember how to say that. But every couple of weeks, we we are joined from uh, by the 10th Amendment Center in, in the guise of, yes, that one guy. Michael Bolden. Now I'm going to talk about uh, some breaking news about this uh, midwife that had prescribed homeoprophylaxis instead of vaccinations and wrote that on the cards. I don't know a lot of the details of this, but I want to talk from a, a principled foundational perspective in a moment on that. Uh, but also acknowledge, you know, I was talking with Super Don before the show, and he could tell I was a little frazzled. You know, the energy was a little like, "Oh, what's going on?" You know, you, you you hang out with someone long enough, you can tell when somebody's a little bit where whatever direction that's different than whatever's normal. You know, you get you can you can be sensitive to that. Uh, and behind the scenes, so to speak, I talk to people on the phone a lot. I help them out. It's kind of, kind of part of what I love to do. It's kind of like my healing ministry in my, many ways to try to help people. Uh, but sometimes, you know, you talk to people that are in a frantic state of ah, very uh, agitated energy. And I don't mean that they're angry or, or anything like that, but they're just carrying an energy with them. And um, as you begin to query them and ask questions about their health status, ask them, as I do, about, you know, what medications are you on? Let me know. And uh, she lists a number of medications, including anti-anxiolytic drugs, uh, the um uh, statin drugs, as well as antidepressants. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm talking to this woman and she's sincerely reaching out for help, help. but it's very hard to reach and it takes a lot of work, a lot of effort to break through the ah kind of thing of having the drugs in your system like that. And even if you have a sincere question, to communicate with someone that is so, let's say gummed up with pharmaceuticals, particularly that will impact brain neurological health, et cetera. And, and even the statin drugs, their impact on brain and nervous system health is 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 really negative, because it attacks something called cholesterol, which is vitally important for brain and neurological health among many other things. And so, as I describe, you know, a Superdons probably, maybe even listening to what I'm saying here about why I was feeling that way and, and feeling that that energy, it, it's because I'm sensitive to it and I, I really wanna help people but I recognize Sometimes you can't, but even if you can, sometimes it takes a lot of effort to get there. And you know, I'm human and that can impact my state, if you will, as well. So uh, I just wanted to relate that to you as we go forward here. If people are on medications, multiple medications, especially things that have an overt impact on brain and neurological health, uh, they're not themselves. And there might be a lot of reasons that they're on those medications, and maybe they're they're inclined to say, "Hey, are there other holistic options?" But when you work with certain medications, particularly the the anti anxiety drugs, and particularly even more so the antidepressants, tapering or or we call it um, titrating up or down is the very the most dangerous part of any of those medications. So I can't, as a homeopath, counsel somebody to get off or on those medications. That's not my area but I do want to support them in their journey. And I, you know, I indicate you must talk to your doctor and or your pharmacist about how to, if you want to remove those medications from your life to do so safely. Statin drugs, that's another issue. You know, I've worked with doctors and, and pharmacists for years on that. We know that you can go cold turkey off of that. That's not something that is, a, 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 you know, the same kind of issue. Although again, the side effects for those drugs are direct effects of the drugs that are not marketable but to call them a side effect diminishes them in terms of marketability. And unfortunately many doctors and pharmacists are not giving that full informed information, particularly when it comes to the COVID injections, which we're going to get to in a moment. The, the, the lead story, Super Don, if you have that, you can show that real quick. And then we'll bring Dr. Uh, Latipo into the mix. Here is about this New York uh, midwife uh, falsifying thousands of vaccine records. Now, she was fined $300,000, uh, she paid back 150 grand and they're you know holding off on the rest of it if she doesn't do it again. I don't know something about this. There's a lot I'd like to know about this, but I'm intrigued by this midwife that she uh, thought to do this. And I think to the benefit of those who received the homeopathic remedies versus the vaccines, I would argue that all of those people, children or adults, are far better off, far healthier, far safer. Now. This is me as a homeopath talking. Yes, I am biased in that way. But when you realize that there have been no inert placebo double-blind controlled studies on the COVID injection, certainly not, but not on any of the vaccines on the vaccine schedule prior, you know, to COVID injections. You begin to say how scientific is it? How how moral and ethical is it to mandate, to require these things that are yes, they have a license. They are licensed by the FDA, but licensed not based on what we call gold standard placebo controlled studies. We've talked about those that are worshipful, and yes, I use those terms worshipful of uh, the denomination in the church of pharmaceutical mysticism of vaccinology. They're worshipful. Why do I say that? Because they rely on it like it's a, it, you know it's a, it's a sacrament. It's faith. And when I push back as just a human being, much less a homeopath and a dad, and said, hey, you know what? There's no gold standard studies on those vaccines that you say you must have. And in fact, the argument against using placebo-controlled studies is that it would be unethical to conduct them. Why? Because they say, well, you'd be denying them the life-saving intervention known as vaccination, despite the fact that they've never done the studies in a placebo-controlled environment to determine whether it actually has efficacy. And or safety. And remember, efficacy isn't determined by whether you get sick or not from the disease they say is vaccine preventable. It's about the measurement, titers, of antibodies. But when you know the immune system like I do, and I hope many immunologists and doctors do, but they don't, they pretend like they don't, you realize that having the antibody is neither necessary nor sufficient to prevent disease. It might, but there's plenty of evidence in immunology that you can be exposed to a quote-unquote given disease you don't have the antibody you've never and you you don't manifest the the symptoms of that disease and you don't have the antibody so the point is the simplicity with which many people go on this vaccine thing oh all we got to do is elicit an antibody response and then you're good you're golden think about all the people that succumb to quote-unquote measles that were fully vaccinated for measles and we're exposed to the strain specific to the measles injection, which is not just measles, it's MMR, measles, mumps, and rubella. And you begin to, if you have in intellectual integrity and you're not in a worshipful, I worship the shot mode, you begin to go, oh, there could be some interesting things here that are intriguing. We should investigate and go, the antibody may not be, you know, the holy grail we thought it was. And I, I don't protest against the antibodies. It's not what I do, but I'm also acknowledging that antibodies are only one factor, feature of immune response and adaptive immunity, much less innate immunity, and it's much more complicated and complex than that. And I would argue the health of the entire terrain, the microbiome of the gut, 70% or more of the immune system is there. Would that be as critical or perhaps more critical than an antibody? And then as I argue, silver can be used as an intervention prophylactically and or reactively Because it can, for instance, stop viral replication, much less bacterial reproduction other things, and enhance immune response, including B lymphocytic activity, oxygenation, ROS production, even enhancing antibody production. I mean, these are things that are studied in the peer-reviewed medical literature, but most doctors, God bless them, they don't look at this stuff. Because of the Flexner Report of 1910 altered curricula and they were programmed to believe anything holistic was not scientific, was not whether it be considered new agey or whatever it is. And so we have a dilemma. We have a schism in the consciousness in America and in the West where we've identified modern medicine not as a science but as a religion. And if you believe in the First Amendment like I do, there's freedom of religion. You can believe in it if you want, but you can't force me to believe it. Or even engage in that practice. Now I bring this hopefully semi-full circle in my briefest monologue, because again, I, I can't wait to get Dr. Latible on. I just got to get this out of my off my chest and out of the system. This woman who prescribed homeoprophylaxis, that is, there are homeopathic remedies associated with any given disease name and/or vaccine itself, we can convert into homeopathic medicine to help undo the damage from the vaccine. That's part of it. She was doing, I believe, really important and good work. But at the same time, now you're doing it from within a system where you're licensed to behave within that system, even if you disagree with it. So it becomes problematic, much like, uh, my friend, uh, or Dr. Kirk, if you remember him in Utah, who has been, uh, uh, let's say indicted as well and charged with a crime because he was giving, uh, placebo or not giving the shots that he said he was giving with COVID because the people realized they knew how dangerous it was. They didn't want their kids to get it, but they wanted them to be able to participate in sports. They wanted to travel on and on it goes. So there is an element of deception there, but it's engaged fully with the consent of the people that were receiving or not receiving the treatment. So the question then becomes, did these people that signed on with this midwife, did they get the treatment they signed on for, or was she deceiving them too? I don't have the answer to that. So there are moral and ethical dilemmas here, and I don't think it's as clean and clear as, oh, she's a criminal. But then again, I don't know a lot of the details. Now, pause on that. Let's go to some of the amazing work of Dr. Joe Latipo in Florida. His willingness to see things clearly and act on information that is not popular, that he's been attacked, denigrated, called all kinds of names, including more recently when he said, you know what, we should just put a halt to the COVID injections because... We know clearly there's dna contamination that alone should be problematic enough that it's like why would they approve it but we know the fda approves things all the time that are dangerous so bringing them back to the show right now and i think in florida looks looks good outside there dr joe latipo welcome back to the robert scott bell show hey thanks for having me back hey and thanks for coming on my show i mean you'll probably get a lot of grief for doing that because of my perspective as a natural guy a homeopathic guy but i i try to not straddle both worlds, but acknowledge there's a viewpoint that exists that's distinct and different, but try to engage intellectually and talk about these things.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I know that part of the reason that I actually love doing shows is to, is to talk about my book too, because it all connects with all of these tough issues that we're grappling with.
0: Yeah, indeed. And by the way, those of you who don't know, it's linked up in the show notes, like last time we had them on transcend fear. A Blueprint for Mindful Leadership in Public Health. Uh, this is by Dr. Joe Latipo and uh, forward by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And uh, it's, a, it's a, you know, another great read. And talk about one of the most important things we can do now to break the cycle of the, the disasters we've been witnessing is to transcend fear.
2: Yeah, yeah. And knowing that that what you were describing, I heard about the The woman in New York, obviously, I don't know where I don't really know any real details because you never know when you're reading. stuff. Yeah, we we don't know know.
0: exactly the the whole (laughs) story, but I at least had to talk a little bit about the, you know, the concept of the government saying everybody has to get the same kind of treatment. That's collectivism. That's not honoring the individual, first and foremost, and also the opportunity in a free country to hang a shingle as a homeopath versus an allopath, that that shouldn't be a crime.
2: Oh, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's really tough because in my experience, often when people are, are in these situations, they're really just trying to do what they think is in the best interests of the patient, the parents, and everyone's on the same page and they're doing it because they want to help. I mean you know obviously there will always be some people who have other motivations potentially just financial motivations and that kind of thing but it's a real challenge because you're we do it you do these things but you you're still working within a system mm-hmm. and in that system you know you, you have to be you have to find a way to to navigate the constraints and it sounds like at least from what's been written she unfortunately filled these cards so it's not quite the same these vaccine cards right the same you know could it be interpreted as being within under the same umbrella i'm not sure um obviously there they decided that it couldn't be interpreted that way but it i it is a it is a challenge to try and do good when you're working within a system that has these right these railings well think about how many
0: folks have pushed back against you you know you're you're physician harvard trained although that might not be so impressive after what we learned about their latest president and the whole plagiarism thing is that is that how you get through harvard i don't know anymore but the point is you being trained according to all of the standards of that which is accepted acknowledged if you will as the mainstream view of everything uh you've been willing to step up and do some things that are very i would say uncomfortable but maybe that discomfort is not
2: dissuading you because you believe in i perceive doing the right thing definitely definitely and yeah yeah i have the training which helps me do the right thing and helps me communicate as clearly as I can about why we're doing things that, you know, that are making people uncomfortable or angry, or, or frankly, very happy, because a lot of people do agree with, with with some of the things we've done, with many of the things we've done. I especially love that crowd, because I know that you know those voices, as we know, have completely been suppressed and during these last few years Mm -hmm. so and it's been unjust and it's it's really feels good to be able to help bring a small measure of justice to this you know the terrible injustices we've seen over the past few years have you uh,
0: interacted a lot with florida's physician community specifically have you done some lectures whether it be at medical schools or at medical meetings because you know as you might imagine, there are doctors in there that look at you and go, you went off the rail. You went off the deep end because you're not doing the party line of, you know, do what you're told according to the WHO or the CDC, et cetera, when we know they've been wrong time and time and time again. Uh, how has your interaction on the state level with physicians there been going? Have you, have you handled the criticism? Have you been able to push back? Not, and I don't mean in a mean way because I don't sense that from you, but in a way that you can engage intellectually with these folks.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's really interesting because you have you have the group of doctors who agree. You know, they they are either familiar with the information and the concerns already. A lot of these doctors, frankly, have had patients. A lot of patients who uh, who they believe have been injured, have been harmed by the COVID nineteen vaccines. I, I hear that a lot from doctors, and. And so you have those doctors and they're, they're really, they're very supportive, they're totally supportive. Um, you have doctors who may not have had the same experiences with patients. And mm-hmm. that I think is probably the most powerful thing that can happen for a doctors to have that patient experience or to, you know, be the patient to have a firsthand experience. But then you have these doctors that you know they may not have had that experience, but they can sense that you know, we're in an area where the evidence has gotten thinner and thinner and thinner, and you know they may not be they may not be a vocal, but they recognize that you know I mean what are you going to say? How do you defend a program or CDC recommendations that aren't based on evidence or common sense? They recognize that. They don't not want the heat of the debates, but they recognize that there's a problem. Right. Then you have you have the doctors who are are immune to data. So it doesn't matter what the argument is, what the statement is, what the details are, what the numbers show, what the papers report that have been published. None of that matters. (laughs) It's just like you either you know, you're either on page on the same page with all the vaccine COVID 19 mRNA vaccine cheerleaders or you're not. And if you're not, you can't possibly have anything to contribute of value. So you have those two, which is which is which is is sad and it's ironic because while they're accusing you me of not, you know, whatever, what you know, scientific, you know, not based in science can't possibly happen. They're they're just they're not familiar with the data. They're just they're not familiar with the data because it's not, you know, it's not about the data. It's about, yeah. you know, the tribe and the belief and all that. Well, how so, do you deal with the God,
0: frustration associated with that? Because look, I, I, man, we got all kinds of viewpoints out there within even the field of homeopathy, right? There are disagreements there. So it's okay to have disagreements. But to your point, when somebody's not willing to look at the data or acknowledge these experiences clinically that they're observing, because there are some that are just totally denying the reality of a, a causal relationship, even if they don't fully understand the pathways involved of injury post COVID injection, it, I mean, the homeopathic remedy, by the way, for frustration is Argentum nitricum, which is interesting because silver nitrate has been used for 100 plus years to drop in the eyes of newborn babies, diluted, of course, to prevent uh, neonatal blindness if there's infection in the birth canal, although they switched a lot to antibiotics. I just throw that in as a side. But the frustration that I feel that you might feel in working with physicians that you think they, they signed on to help people, but there's something missing.
2: Yeah, I hear you. You know, I, I'll tell you that I don't feel frustration and I mean I feel sadness mm-hmm. um and from folks who just have decided that there can be only one truth and that truth is you know was right. was predetermined and that's just how it is. I sometimes I feel irritation too, because I'm like, get your crap out of here, you know, when they send me these love missives. <laughs> You know these emails or notes mm. or letters. I just I'm like, get that crap out of here. I like I you know keep keep that. I mean, really, you know, yeah. can you not be a grown up and like and yes. you know have a conversation instead of just resorting to having your temper tra- tantrum on an email? I, I'm kind of like,
0: embarrassed for them. Get
2: out of here. <laughs> yeah,
0: but, you know, you you go through higher levels of education to the point where you have a doctorate in some field, whether it be a PhD or an MD, and then you behave like a child, <laughs> uh, that, it's embarrassing. And I, and I find that it's like, you know, when you react only emotionally, there's something that's missing. I think people are living in cognitive dissonance and for many years, a lot in the allopathic community because their training denied the, the reality of the natural world and the benefits we could do by adopting more natural ways of living, much less remedies that exist and pre-existed the pharmaceutical, uh, you know, uh, attempt to synthesize and patent all nature.
2: Right. Right. Uh, de- definitely. I definitely, definitely hear you there. And, yeah, so it's uh, it's it's uh, it makes for, you know, kind of an interesting experience with other other doctors. But um, you yeah, it's very interesting because we also have we're also in a time where even though doctors obviously they have a lot of medical training and all that uh, because of how these issues with COVID-19 and now the um, mRNA COVID-19 vaccines have evolved, you actually have a lot of people who. Aren't even medical doctors. They they may have PhDs. They may not have PhDs. But they they literally are more familiar with data, with the data informing these uh, these conditions and the products than than MDs who are telling people to take them. Yeah. So it, it's really a it's really a paradox. Sure.
0: And and where is uh, the realm of, of of freedom in in all of this equation? Right. The freedom, of course, to disagree, but we've seen the censorship industrial complex manifest its ugly head more than ever in the COVID crazy years. And even post COVID years, we see a lot of censorship in the social media platforms and other things. And even long before that, I ex- you know, experienced censorship being in broadcast media as a homeopath talking about the vaccines prior to COVID and saying, hey, there are problems here. And very often that would be you know, we can't talk about that. Or as you've seen, for instance, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., he's running for president, uh, his evolution in, in in viewpoint on vaccines, uh, you know, having fully vaccinated himself and his kids. Now he's looking at this and going and other physicians now looking back before COVID and going, hey, there's some problems there, too.
2: Yeah, yeah, there it's it's interesting you know the and, and i talk about it in the book and i think we we have um, we've talked about this before also but unfortunately just the science of vaccines or the the clinical thinking and the public health thinking about vaccines it's it's just it's sad that it's so ideological you know you don't have that when you know you mentioned earlier statins you don't have that same uh, and In fact, there's a little bit of that among some cardiologists, but in general, you don't have that same tribalism mm. with statins, that same dedication, like team statin or yeah, team sure. antihypertensive. I mean, we recognize that statins have effects on cholesterol. We recognize that they do reduce the risk of of MIs, of, of heart attacks and, and cardiac death in, in people who have had a history of of acute cardiovascular disease, it's not clear that they do in people who haven't. But um, in terms of these really acute events, but you know, there's and, and even with statins, frankly, there's you know, there's still there's still some obfuscation of mm-hmm. bad stuff like you know, effects on memory. There's actually some data on amyotropic lateral sclerosis uh, that that mm-hmm. indicates that they may increase the risk of that in women and not yeah. men. So there, there, there's data that's not so favorable that, that I think doesn't receive the same amount of attention because of the pharmaceutical companies and their sure. ability to navigate the flow of information to the public and even to clinicians often. Mm-hmm. But the tribalism isn't there. And unfortunately with vaccines, it, there is this tribalism thing.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's
2: like, you're on the team where you're not on the team and you're an enemy of the state if you're not on the right. team. And you just can't it's interesting because when you when you enter the 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 plane of tribalism you've left the plane of well what's best for human health Mm -hmm. and sometimes they align but sometimes Mm -hmm. they don't you know obviously with these covid19 vaccines it's a perfect example of a time where they don't align like if what if your interests are human health then not recommending a new experimental shot for healthy young children as we did here in Florida about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, is an easy call. Like <laughs> that's yeah. not hard. I but, agree. You know, but if you're if you're tribe vaccine and, da, 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 you know, and then well, you know it's the not a part you know, Dr.
0: Joe is 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 the the blowback on you, which again I know you're up for you're not dissuaded by it, uh, but uh, you know, by the way, if you're just tuning in, we've got Dr. Joe Latipo, uh, Surgeon General of Florida, back with us uh, as well. Of course, the big news, and you can see it everywhere. Florida Surgeon General, you see the headlines: calls for halt to COVID-19 vaccine usage after FDA said he spread misinformation. Um, but you know, you're, you're acknowledging data that is being revealed, released, as opposed to you know, being on just a you know a religious belief in something that is not seemingly uh, scientifically based. As we look at uh, the issue of DNA contamination, we have a, a a question coming in from the chat room uh, at com. Our friend Chris, who I think is down in your area, Tampa Bay Area. He says, please ask Dr. Joseph Latipo if he's aware that Pfizer shots have been shown to actually alter DNA, not just be contaminated with DNA and SV40 enhancers. Uh, so he suggests you might want to update the call to withdraw the mRNA shots uh, from the markets uh, anyway just uh, comment on that expansion of the idea of not just dna contamination but integration altering human dna by these uh, experimental kind of uh, technologies
2: well there there's a concern there and it's i mean that's a fact it it just even if you don't think it's happening theoretically it can happen it can it can it you know it's a, it's a scientific fact that that can happen and you uh, what I've said is that you know the risks are different here because of the lipid nanoparticles. And not only myself, other other scientists have said it also. I think that there's a there's a, a biochemist, I think, at the University of South Carolina that said this. Dr. Robert Malone has said it, Dr. Peter McCullough has said it, and there are others that have said it, but it, it's it's literally a scientific fact. So the the question is whether it merits investigation. The answer is yes, it does merit investigation because of the lipid nanoparticles, because they change almost certainly the risks associated with the presence of DNA in a, a product that you're injecting into someone's body. And in terms of that particular, uh, that particular comment, I mean, please, I, I'm not, I have seen studies that uh, potentially speak to that, I think, early maybe older studies in vitro studies rather than uh, studies that have been performed in humans so i but I, i'd be curious to know what the references that that individual is 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 talking about i'd love to know I'll what
0: I'll forward that on to you because there are obviously our references here and i think uh, again with your integrity intellectual scientific etc uh you'd be willing to look into this without fail and see hey where does this play out and maybe add to some of these concerns and uh, again i think chris is also in florida where you are um has there been any uh let's say in the interaction whatever you can reveal about your interaction with governor DeSantis? has he ever went to you uh uh dr joe the heat the heat's getting too hot can you can you ease back on what you're saying or has he been very supportive of your i believe and perceive integrity in addressing these issues that are very obviously controversial for those that don't want anybody to know about them
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's a it's a great question. So fortunately, the governor and and I have a great relationship. We actually have a really um, we have a special working relationship and uh, and it's really been a blessing. So we actually get through information very quickly and efficiently. Um, He's very oriented toward common sense. He's very comfortable with. Whatever the truth is, and, and distinguishing between truth and what may be something else, that you know, that you, and it's a it's a useful skill, particularly considering as a governor and and you know and politics, you you, know, you deal with a lot of people who have have different motivations and different intentions. So we've talked about this. I mean, it is a very simple issue, and um, and the governor and I have, have discussed it. Um, and he's a he's a you know he's a very courageous guy so you know it's it's interesting cuz just to, just analogously you look right the media obviously is terrified of the prospect that that he could be president because that means the the party's over for them in terms of them just getting away with all the things they do with how they try and provide information in a way that that leads people to think certain things, and that agenda is would completely be disrupted by a president like like Governor DeSantis. And in response, what they've done is they've joined the campaign teams of other candidates. You know, I mean, the amount of of negative messaging that's mm. targeted him in news articles is like is profound and that's intentional I mean, the purpose is to change how many how people think about him and to make it harder for uh, for for people to 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 choose him and to actually even see him and get to know him so he's someone that uh, you know in terms of values i you know i feel very comfortable with there's not another governor in the country that i would work with um so so he's a, he's been a, he's been a great uh, partner in in this in terms of really supporting health and staying close to common sense and and doing whatever the whatever's required based on the truth, uh, no matter whose feathers get ruffled.
0: Yeah, well I agree. I mean his uh presidential campaign hasn't gained a ton of traction, I think partly due to the collusion against uh someone that is effectively doing good work. And we've seen that in Florida. The detriment to Florida, if he were to become president, would be that he's no longer governor. Uh, you know, and I you know, that. it's a free state issue. And uh, you know, I'm concerned for my friends in Florida if they would lose that. But then again, uh the track record of DeSantis is quite unique. Uh but we have a, a you know a way of uh, uh selecting who to vote for? That's kind of interesting in this country, uh, the the entire process. But uh, I wouldn't mind seeing you one day as Surgeon General at the at that higher level to be able to bring this kind of integrity and intellectual debate discussion on many of these issues, uh, without fear of you know reprisal. You know that we should be able to talk about the things we're not supposed to be able to talk about.
2: Oh, you bet. I mean, I, I obviously don't know what God has planned, but you know whatever whatever roll I'm in or whatever happens, you can uh, you know, be very assured <laughs> that there's there's only one version of Joe out there and you're looking at him and, and it's uh, you know, there's there's not going to be any changes.
0: Yeah. Well, in the in, the, in early phases of, of covid, even Governor DeSantis was in favor of the covid injections. But again, this is where the mainstream of thought has been for generations I get that. The programming is so complete that to think all the things that the CDC and the FDA have been engaged in, much less Fauci, all of that would be downright criminal in terms of the relationships, the monies that was changing hand. It wasn't something that most people that have been rising to the level of a governor, like a DeSantis were engaged in uh, serious discussions about because they were often dismissed as fringe ideas or thoughts or the people bringing them out were dismissed as, as you know, conspiracy theorists. Uh, But to the credit to DeSantis, of course, over time, as things became obvious to him, he he shifted his position. And that's my point as well about a lot of people that are so cynical that people, you know, I, I wouldn't even allow them to change. If they made a mistake once in their life, they're done for me. It's like, Humanity is not that way. Any humans recognize that you might have had a belief when you were younger, something happened, you shifted your belief. Now, there are people that all they go with is what the winds, you know, where that's blowing, or what they're paid not to see, for instance. So there's a lot of corruption too. I don't disavow that reality. But when I see somebody shift their position, and this is why I like Bobby Kennedy, and I haven't made any endorsements for president yet here, but I appreciate people who are willing to take new information, digest it, assess it, research it, and come out and go, you know what? I had I didn't know I was wrong. And that to me, we need more people like that, uh, whether they're Republican, Democrat, libertarian, independent or whatever. And that's where I so enjoy interacting with you. And I think I perceive the goodness of a DeSantis going forward, wherever that may lead.
2: No, I agree with you. It's actually it's actually, I would say, a great marker of integrity when someone can say, well, you know, I thought of some one thing and. I got more information. I talked to a, you know a few people, and um, and now I don't think that thing that I used to think is right. So now I think this, and and that's why I think it. And I think there that is a that's a marker of integrity. And by the way, that's not the same as as what you what you see with um, with most political uh, leaders, mm-hmm. where you know something's out of style or something's in style, and they're on that. You know they're on that bus, mm-hmm. and then it's and then it's out of style, and they hop on the other bus. I mean that's that's not the same thing. That's not what we're talking about about here when we're we're talking about integrity and people. It, we're really talking about people doing what they think is right, mm-hmm. to the best of their ability. And you know, it, and Governor DeSantis has a lot of that. It's I, I personally am often uncomfortable around people who don't have that. Uh, Probably because just can't can't trust them and it's like well you know it's not really fun to be around people who don't have that so Mm -hmm. i'm I'm grateful and glad that he has he has a lot of that he's got that in spades it's one of the reasons that we we get along and have a good relationship uh but yeah it it is unique it's a it's a unique quality to to have that and yet it's an incredibly important quality to have Mm -hmm. that
0: could could you see uh, you know moving forward in in freedom and I, I may have mentioned this to you before. I try it every time I have an opportunity to mention this. The idea that, uh, for instance, under the Tenth Amendment to our Constitution, when the federal government engages in behavior that is not, uh, uh, you know, allowed or enumerated as a power for the federal government, and they engage in, uh, you know, mandates or prohibitions, you know, for instance, I perceive one state if they if, if the governor would have the the, the wherewithal to do it. That they could push back on the feds and say, you know what, you don't have the authority to be here and tell us what to do in this particular arena. And I'm talking about health and medical freedom that we would allow for a state, one state, because many Americans are leaving the United States to get treatments that are not available because the FDA will prohibit them. And I will give credit to to Donald Trump for this particular thing when he signed the Access to Medical Treatment Act, which was called the Right to Try Act, which my good friend Jonathan Ebert originally wrote years ago for Ron Paul, another physician who served in Congress, to, to allow for the freedom to utilize things that are not approved by the government. One state could set it up and go, you know what? We're going to allow homeopaths and herbalists and naturopaths and chiropractors and medical doctors all compete in a free market, not in a deceptive manner. I mean, they can't pretend to be what they're not. But in freedom, you could imagine that the medical tourism that would flock to that one state, the economy of that state would just boom. And other states would go, hey, what what are we doing wrong here? We're not allowing that freedom to, to come in. So I'm just, again, planting the seeds for whatever it's worth to think about
2: that level of freedom that is just outrageous to consider. Yeah, you know, it's it's very interesting. I totally hear what you're saying and describing. What I've had isn't quite is I personally see very um, tremendous value in a lot of um, integrative medicine type approaches and a lot of functional medicine.
0: We still getting Dr. Joe Super Don? Can you hear me for me? Dr. Joe. Yeah, there you go. Start over again because you got for whatever reason there. I think we're getting such a hot topic that if there is such a thing as uh, illicit sensors of the electronic variety, they're trying to curtail whatever you're about to say. So I want to hear it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So what I was saying, I'll just start mostly from the beginning. Is that I personally see from firsthand observations uh, a lot of a lot of value in you know very high likelihood of value in some functional medicine and integrative medicine approaches that aren't things that I learned in medical school or things that I learned in residency, but I see people who you know have had different illnesses, whether it's mold toxicity, uh, whether it is Problems with fatigue, whether it's other infectious or or neurologic conditions, improve using methods that you know, that are you know that are in the integrative or functional medicine field. And what what I would like to see happen is that is for those methods to be tested in clinical trials in in in, in randomized clinical trials. Led by people who know what they're doing, who are experts with the methods, who understand why they work, how they work in terms of how these treatments need to be provided to be effective, and I actually would like I'd like to see that. And I and I think for me the value is twofold. One one part of the value is just having a higher level of evidence, and you know this is kind of my science part. The doubt, even though I I'm. I'm Persuaded that a lot of this stuff is is very effective You know, the, having good studies Really Removes, you know re- remaining doubt and the other piece is because You know most everyone who works in the medical field has training like mine and we just uh, oftentimes you, you need to see or we feel a need to see those clinical trials before they can really be accepted, adopted, and diffused to more patients. And I'll say it's very interesting, right? Because you look at something, and this I think acupuncture is a good example of both the the pluses and the minuses of my way of thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So acupuncture, I'm guessing, is thousands of years old. I mean, it's obviously extremely, it's very old. And the pe- there are people, right? Th- this has been passed down. The teachings, the science of acupuncture, has been passed down, you know, generation to generation. People in some cultures, you know, continue to have continued to use it. But in Western medicine, it wasn't until maybe two decades ago that we started seeing more clinical trials of it being used. And fortunately, overall, those clinical trials have shown benefit. So now you have. Now it's like, okay, well, doc, as a doctor, I can recommend it because there's this scientific backing. But, hey, you know, for, you know, thousand years, maybe thousands of years, there have been people who have known all along that it, it was effective. Sure. And so, it, you know, there's, there's something lost by wanting to have this stuff. But at the same time, mm-hmm. it's the language that uh, my colleagues generally speak, and I think it will help to to move these modalities out and help patients
0: yeah i i think we still need a consciousness shift in this regard because um there's still the element of the allopathic gatekeepers right the exalted elevated of status where yeah you know some stuff and i acknowledge it you acknowledge it and then there's a lot of stuff you don't know what you do acknowledge as well which is okay because we can work together and learn from each other and teach each other. Now, some of the, as I pointed out, the gold standard science methods are not being applied to the allopathic you know, uh, medical system at this point. How many drugs have reached the market that they had to withdraw? And again, I point out the inconvenient facts about the vaccine schedule. It's never been analyzed, truly, in terms of how it works together, one after the other, much less multiples. And individually, they have been analyzed through the gold standard placebo-controlled trials. So again, that idea of a gatekeeper is still somewhat authoritarian to me. I don't want, as a homeopath, to be a gatekeeper of any. But I want freedom to reign, and not in a deceptive way. Let's be honest about what we know or what we don't know, but allow the people to decide, and we find out, my gosh, innovation is occurring, cost savings are occurring, and we're finding out what works and what doesn't, not because the gatekeepers say so, but because of what maybe
2: thousands of years of history has shown us. No, I, I hear you. And I, I don't know what the, you know, I don't know what the wisest path forth is. I mean, there are clearly benefits to that. It's also the reason why sometimes people will go to Germany for, you know, experimental, say, stem cell related therapies for uh, different health conditions or for treatment of cancer. And I've, I've seen that firsthand. I've known people who have, um, you know, who have loved ones who have done that because, right my, for my understanding is that they have more uh, liberty there. If you're, if you, if you're within the care of a doctor to mm-hmm. use things for therapy that are not approved by, you know, the Europeans Medicines Agency or whatever right. the, the regulatory body. Yep, was uh, there, yeah. So I, I, I guess, I mean, I, I totally see that there's, there's value there. You mm-hmm. know, at the same time, I also know that, you know, they're, there's a difference between folks who know what they're doing and healing mm. and folks who don't. Sure. And You know, it's funny in my our family. I'm the doctor, but my wife actually is the healer in terms yes. of having an intuitive sense of how to yes. help people. That's mm. that's her domain. Mm. I, I don't have that gift. I mean, I, I'm OK, but I don't have that gift. No, but I appreciate she, her very much. Uh, yeah. From
0: interviewing her, I could tell that exactly what you're saying is the accurate yeah. thing. And, and in many families, the mom is, whether they're the doctor or not, they are the healer of the family. You're so right. Yeah, that's and, true. you know, at, at, at the risk, I, I don't think I'm risking anything talking to you about these things. I love being able to engage this way. But my suggestion, for whatever it's worth, uh, if Governor DeSantis maintains governor and you maintain your position is to convene a panel in response to any other threats, pandemic otherwise, real or imagined, and bring in all of the holistic modalities to engage and and you know, allow for that free flow of information. Doesn't mean we have to all agree, but boy, take into heart the experiences of these various fields in responding, obviously, in many ways, more appropriately than what Fauci and those guys
2: have said we should do t- in response to these things. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I, you know, I, I, I hear you. I totally hear you. I know. I know. I hear you.
0: <laughs> and, and look, you don't have to say any more about it. That's fine. Uh, we have another question from Chris. Who's I believe in Florida as well. He says, can you please ask Dr. Latipo how he feels about governor DeSantis signing HB 1191 just under a year ago, requiring the Florida department of transportation to study the use of phosphogypsum? Uh, that's like a radioactive, a uh, rock in Florida for, uh, I guess, uh the pavements or the the, the roads there uh, waste from phosphate mining any any perspective on that as a physician or any other uh views on that
2: no i, I don't i just don't know um, i i think i i mean i feel like maybe i've heard of this issue once before but i don't know much about it um after we talk i will read more about it yeah and by the way super don did send
0: you uh my producer uh, the links that chris had brought up so you can review about uh, various uh, scientific studies on the what's in the shot, that Great. kind of thing, so you can go further with it because I know you'll do that. Uh, and, yeah, I think it was an issue of the controversy of a lot of the things that are used to pave the roads in Florida are utilizing this phosphate waste mining th- stuff that has radioactivity. question is, you know, what's the risk to everybody utilizing the roads? I don't know either, but it's, it's another issue, and apparently DeSantis uh, wanted to look further into it with this bill.
2: Okay, interesting. Yeah, I, I will learn more about it.
0: Cool. So your book is available everywhere, and I hope you'll uh, uh, read it. It's called Transcend Fear, a blueprint for mindful leadership in public health, Dr. Joseph Latipo. And, uh, you know, it's again such a, I just enjoy engaging with you. Hopefully, I can meet you and your wife one day in person at an event, maybe in Florida or elsewhere, because you're good people, right? I can, you know, your heart is in the place where y- you care truly, not just a slogan and the willingness to engage in discussion like this is so refreshing. I I think this should be an example for everybody, other surgeons general as well, around to be able to talk about these things. Yes, they're considered controversial more in some circles than others, but we're all better off for this discussion, are we not?
2: (laughs) For sure, absolutely, man, absolutely, absolutely. Do you have
0: any upcoming events, public speaking engagements where people can attend and meet you?
2: I I'm trying to think here. I think we're, you know, there's a uh, there's a group called um, uh, I think Documenting Hope that uh, we've I've had some conversations with. So we I may, I may be talking in an event that they're holding. They've got an amazing group of scientists and other individuals. I think that their major focus is child health and uh, the the prevalence of chronic illness and chronic disease in children. But they have a, I mean, they have a lot of amazing people in their group and I think they're, they hold events generally in Florida. Okay. So I, I'm not sure that of the dates, but I may be joining one of their upcoming events.
0: Okay. Very cool. I know that, uh, well, my friends at nutritional frontiers, they're out of uh, Pittsburgh, but they do an event every spring, maybe in April, uh, in, uh, it might be at Clearwater Beach, uh, a place there. It's, I don't think far from you, but I, I would love to suggest to them to have you speak. But again, I don't know what, what's involved there, but I'll, I'll put I'll put the word out just because I, I think we're all benefited by hearing from you and engaging. And also, you know, as you explore other options as well, you're only made better and stronger in your ability to help folks.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Always my ears are always open.
0: Yeah. Dr. Joe Latipo, love to your wife and family. And I look forward to getting her back on the show as well. And you're welcome here anytime, especially in follow-up to some of these issues that I know in the regular media, there's not a lot of friendly discussions like this. Uh, <laughs> and I'm grateful to have them. And I hope everybody shares this and, and shares what you're doing and all the best in your continued uh, uh, service as Surgeon General and whatever else may be next for you.
2: Oh, thanks. I'm glad Yeah, we They put down the pitchforks for this show, so...
0: <laughs> beautiful <laughs> dr joe latipo god bless you my brother thank you so much for being here on the show look look forward to having you on again
2: oh thanks so much thanks for having me
0: all right well i, I don't know if you enjoy it as much as i do but having these kind of engaged spirited discussions about uh, topics that mean a lot to me maybe to you as well and certainly as we could see to dr joe uh, uh, just you know i i feel already much better than when i started the show in that agitated state because i described what i was dealing with uh, before I got on the air. Uh, Super Don, do we have time to do the homeopathic hit of the day related to head pain?
1: Uh, yeah, we, we, we got time. quite
0: explosive, by the way. Before be This topic. It is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Playing all of the homeopathic hits every day right here on the Robert Scott Bell Show.
0: You don't want to hit this homeopathic it might explode. It's glonoenum. are like, what? Glonoenum? What the heck is that? Well, this homeopathic hit sponsored by our friends at Trinity School of Natural Health, Folium PX, and Nutritional Frontiers. Glonoenum. Let's open up that PDF so you can begin to see it. It is a homeopathic medicine, but you'll know about it as its natural state, where it's derived. First and foremost, glonoenum is a homeopathic remedy often used for intense headaches, some heat-related conditions, and circulatory disturbances. And we're going to go into a little bit of the therapeutic applications of glonoenum. So what is it derived from? What is it? It's the Latin name for nitroglycerin. You know that stuff? Shake it about. It's going to explode. Be careful. But in a homeopathic form, and this is an interesting thing, I wonder... You know, like who do they hire to dynamize this remedy, right? I need you to take this nitroglycerin and dilute it, but shake it. No! (laughs) I need to engage the the pharmacopeia to learn how to safely convert uh, nitroglycerin into a homeopathic remedy known as Glonoenum. Now, uh, we know that it's used, I've used it for many years for headaches. Yes, believe it or not, I used to have intense headaches, borderline migraine perhaps when I was much younger and toxic. It's not something I commonly have, but I can say if I have liver congestion, it could happen, but I'll get into the adjunct remedies. But we use it in its highly diluted form to treat severe headaches, sometimes heat stroke, and other circulatory issues. So physical properties include efficiency in treating intense, throbbing headaches, often related to sun exposure or heat stroke. It's also indicated in cases of hypertension, heart palpitations, uh, especially when associated with feeling of congestion or fullness in the head. Mentally, there may be a sense of confusion or disorientation uh, related to the headache or circulatory disturbance. And believe it or not, yes, nitroglycerin tablets are used in allopathic medicine, sublingual, for heart issues. But we can, again, use them as a homeopathic medicine, use it as a homeopathic medicine safely. So let's scroll down in the PDF that you're seeing here. You can download the PDF for free in the show notes today on the 19th of January, 2024, or later the entire video segment here of the homeopathic hit glonoenum uh, at the Patreon supporters page of the Robert Scott Bell Show. So uh, if you'd like that, please uh, consider that. Now, glonoenum, known for its efficiency, effectiveness in treating, intense, throbbing headaches, as I mentioned. But the primary uses, again, if we talk about those headaches, it's often considering also a sensation of pulsation or fullness, you could feel the pulse in your head, it's throbbing, it's intense. Primary uses include also heart related conditions, heat stroke, sun exposure related symptoms, headaches, disorientation and circulatory disturbances, issues related to or in the presence of hypertension, palpitations, especially when accompanied by headache symptoms. So as we scroll down on the document here, we go into the dosage and potencies as well as adjunct remedies. Six X, twelve X, twelve C. You can use low potencies on a regular basis, frequently. Or if you go to the very high potencies, uh, maybe consider consulting with a homeopath to use it for deep seated, severe issues like this. So considerations. Other homeopathic remedies that might be used alongside Glonoenum include Belladonna. Headaches. It, it's one of the things. Even you know, as I talk about fever for children, Belladonna, but Belladonna has more uses for adults too, not just fever. Uh, Aconitum, useful for sudden onset circulatory disturbances, complement uh, glonoenum's uh, actions. Bryonia Alba. Now, maybe not every homeopath would select that, but I always would start with that because it would eliminate the liver congestion or reduce the liver congestion associated with circulatory or other issues related to headaches. And scutellaria, interesting indicated, skullcap, by the way, homeopathically, for dull frontal lobe headaches. There are so many more that I consider, including Cuprum, Copper plays a role in circulatory health as well. So when glonoenum is generally considered safe in, of course, its homeopathic form. It's used as a medicine, too, but it is not safe to utilize in its nitroglycerin form when you shake it up. Don't do that. (laughs) It's advisable not to self-prescribe for serious, intense, non-self-limiting issues. And if they those symptoms persist or worsen even after taking glonoenum as a homeopathic, please seek out health care of your support of your choice. So as we conclude the homeopathic hit of the day, glonoenum, nitroglycerin, a valuable homeopathic remedy, particularly effective for treating intense headaches, heat-related conditions, circulatory disturbances. And if you enjoy these homeopathic hits on the Robert Scott Bell Show, please share the show. Please, if you would consider even becoming a Patreon supporter of the Robert Scott Bell Show and accessing even more things than uh, we could normally do, including updates on the website. Remember, this is education information. It's not designed to replace a doctor if you have or want one, but to give you fully informed consent options that you didn't know you had in the care of yourself, your family, your loved ones, etc. So Super Don, how about that? Nitroglycerin, big boom, big bada boom, bada bing. Homeopathic hit of the day. Yeah,
1: well, you know, people take like nitroglycerin as well, like in tablet form, for like I guess for heart issues. I think isn't it Mm -hmm. something to do with with? uh, Oh yeah, angina. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So nitroglycerin tablets are used in modern medicine, but I thought this was a cool one, and I've used it many times (laughs) over the years for headaches and prescribed. Now, did
1: in the history of nitroglycerin, did it start off as an explosive? And then they were like, Oh hey, oh, you yeah. look, look, you can if you take
0: Dude, I believe they figured this one out pretty quick. Yeah. Nitroglycerin was very volatile. And I'm just and, curious yeah. as
1: to who it was that came up with that idea. They're like, Hey, you know that stuff that like blows crap yeah. up and I, I wonder what happened if you swallowed it. Yeah,
0: right. I'm wondering, going back to the origin of homeopathy, if Dr. Samuel Hahnemann, <laughs> when it came to this one, he like gave it to his intern. Here, you work with Yeah, this here.
1: I think this is a good idea. Go check and it then out. And I wonder yeah. if
0: the intern came back. Uh, I don't know where my fingers went. But yeah, yeah. anyway, be careful with it. It's it's volatile, but in a homeopathic form, it's absolutely safe. How many
1: assistants did Hahnemann go through? Huh?
0: Yeah, exactly on that one. Here, I you you take this. Be gentle with it, but shake it. <laughs> oh, yeah, these are the fun things to consider. We've got some more history to talk about in the second hour of the show. I think it was uh, Ben Franklin's birthday recently. We got some good quotes from him, courtesy of Michael Bolden and the 10th Dude, Amendment But Center. we're going to
1: open with a story I came across uh, uh, earlier in the week. And so here's the question. Does the Constitution depend on morality and religion?
0: Ooh, that's interesting. What a great question. Let's
1: answer or ask an
0: answer. I might have a perspective. Michael Bolden certainly will. Uh, And he's on. He's ready. And I'm ready. So let's take a pause. You guys ready? Share the show. In the meantime, we'll be back in a moment with more powerful healing, even of the so-called political variety. That's okay. Tenth Amendment, the power to heal is yours. All right, we're back. Hour two commences now. And by the way, uh, speaking of cardio miracle and nitric oxide and oxygenation and circulation, all that good stuff, if you want elite athletic performance, or if you're just an armchair warrior on the weekends and you want to be better at it, you might want to consider joining me at 7 o'clock Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, today, the 19th, it's today, the key to elite performance, the oxygen connection, Keith Clearwater, PGA champion, going to join us John and Jason Hewlett as well from Cardio Miracle, and that's today. Even if you can't join me live, sign up for free. That way you'll have access to the the replay. You know, if you don't sign up, you're hoes. You will never see it. So sign up for free and uh, hopefully join us live today, seven o'clock Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, this very afternoon. Also, I wanna once again extend uh, an invitation for those of you in the Atlanta area, if you're interested, my mom's turning 90 on the 29th of January. We're gonna celebrate somewhere, somehow, some way on Sunday, the 28th of January in the Atlanta area. And you guys wanna celebrate with me and I'm gratefully uh, appreciative, if you will, and uh, who wouldn't be, of Bobri Oren for his gift of folium, the folium products to allow my mom to be alive and, and and well considering what she went through in the few years prior, leading to a diminishment of energy to the point where I was very concerned for her And she got on the Folium products and within a couple of weeks called me and said, hey, I'm getting energy back. I'm sleeping better. And by the first of of January last year, she was dancing the the new year in and on her birthday danced again. And I I extend an invitation for you to dance with mom. Well, I mean, she might have something to say about that, but on the 28th on her uh, day before her 90th celebration party. Uh, So that's gonna be cool. But shout out, reach out to foliumpx.com. Use the code RSB10 to get a discount. If it can help my mom, Why? What can it do for you? Break through that ceiling in your healing. Folium products, foliumpx.com. Also remember the Trinity Health Freedom Expo. It's coming up February 17th and 18th. And that's going to be like 35 bucks for three months access to everything we did in October and more. With even more presentations going to be happening. And it's through the Whova app. So you can do that at your leisure at home and watch it as much as you want. That's going to be amazing too. Prior to that, of course, the February 2nd, 3rd, the Autism Health Summit. Thanks to Tracy Slepcevic. I'll be there in San Antonio. Hope to see you there. There's CME credits and CE credits for health professionals, as well as a streaming option. And beyond that, we have even more events in Atlanta. Again, the Wellness uh, Parenting Revolution folks, the Warners are hosting uh, 8th through 10th in Atlanta, the World Wellness Weekend. And then a little bit after that, 14th through 17th, we've got the special event with Tia Severino, the third annual Next Steps Conference, next-steps.info, and it's at the Lake Lanier Resort Islands uh, outside of Atlanta and Buford, uh, Georgia. That's going to be amazing. We also have uh, other events that we'll be adding to the mix, including uh, the RSB Family Reunion, RSB Show Family Reunion, hosted by Leslie. And that's going to be happening in uh, June, June 14th through 16th. Uh, in Joplin, Missouri, a beautiful place. You'll learn a lot about homesteading, skills that I don't necessarily have, but the the things that we do have, we share with one another. That's a great opportunity to get together as well. Uh, So what else we got to talk about? Um, You know, the other thing I did when I opened the show today, because I was a little agitated, uh, I did some of my full spectrum certified organic U.S. grown hemp CBD from Nutritional Frontiers, cbdnf.com. And it's uh, clean as anything could be in regards to CBD from from hemp. Uh, so check out cbdnf.com and nutritionalfrontiers.com. Remember the code RSB15 to get 15% off. Even those items that are on sale, a lot of detox support as well. Now, somebody who is never discounted, why would you want to? He's so valuable. Dude brings it. You know, No cheap seats there. The 10th Amendment Center doing amazing work. Who's the little engine behind it? He would say it's not just him. And maybe that's true, but still, it's him. It's Michael Bolden back on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Now it's party time. Where is Michael? He's got a way better intro than me. Here he is, Michael Bolden.
3: hello howdy i'm on discount today 15 percent off oh you are that never (laughs) happens that's amazing (laughs) Uh, you know one of my goals in life actually has always been to um, be as chill as my great friend robert scott bell i can't Uh. even imagine what could have been going on for you to say that you were agitated
0: (laughs) yeah well yeah, as I related it a little bit last hour, but if you've ever, Michael, met somebody on a lot of different medications, particularly those that are psychiatrically oriented, anti-anxiety meds and antidepressants, the energy coming off those people, this is not me being mean and angry about it. It's just I'm compassionate. I want to help these people. And I was on the phone with someone like that, and it's very difficult to navigate and get through that uh, to help them. And so that's kind of a super Don noticed notice before we went on the air. It's like, yeah, I could tell your energy is a little different. Hmm. Uh, but it 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 kind of modulated over over the the hour, and we had a really great discussion with Doctor Joe Latipo, Surgeon General of Florida. What a good guy, uh, engaging intellectually on a lot of a lot of different topics, and his willingness to say, "Hey, let's halt this COVID thing." You know, what yeah. other Surgeon General has done that? Much less governor. So pretty cool.
3: Yeah. Okay. So uh, a little frustration on your end, and then uh, a nice dose of the. Uh Liquid CBD probably helped that out. Oh, really
0: well. big time! Yeah. Yes, nice. I agree, big time. I have, have to do
3: cap- I have to do forty uh forty milligrams on a day to day basis. I found that even if so, what I I take my CBD first thing in the morning, and if I find that if I take if I lapse for a couple of days, doesn't matter what I do, what's going on in my life, I just yeah. feel I am. I'm a pretty intense dude in general and so that just gets out of hand, but it's almost magic for me as long as I'm really consistent about it. I guess the same with the cardio miracle too, which I now mix in yogurt. I've been mixing this in yogurt lately. Really? Yeah. I do pumpkin seeds, um, the cardio miracle. Sometimes I have some cacao nibs in there, a little chia, and I've been doing these kind of like yogurt parfaits is another way to get it in my, uh, my
0: system. That is fun. And 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 your ability to move about the uh, uh, let's say the L.A. Basin cabin, you know, by biking or walking and hiking. Yep. How's the low back update? I know people that love you are concerned about you. Want to see you fully back, and engaged in in life all the way.
3: Well, I love everyone as well. So I'm I'm engaging very well. It's a very slow process. I've I'm on about uh, I guess like nine months since i re-injured it early last year, and I'm functional. I'm doing a lot of stuff. Uh, I'm working long days. I'm doing more things without having to like lay down and recover all the time. So I'm close. I would guess I'm probably like 70% there. Mm.
0: Well, I'm encouraged every time it goes up, even a one percentage point.
3: Yeah. Maybe Uh, last time I said it was 80%. So who knows? It just, is not a scientific thing, but I feel really good about my progress. What I'm noticing though, Mm. is, you know, if you've had like disc issues in your back, like a herniated disc, like I've gone through, a lot of times you'll people who've gone through this will notice that as you're recovering, just the slightest thing can throw you off. And then you're just a mess for days. Mm-hmm. Like, And I've had that for months and months and months. But lately what I've noticed, and to me this is the silver lining at all, anytime I start having real struggles – I'm better within hours. I'm able to just recover, do some core exercises, go out for a walk, re, uh, you know, hang a little bit from some uh, kids' uh, kids jungle gym bars outside on the property here, and all of a sudden, I'm better within a few hours rather than days. So to me, that's the biggest kind of a a mark of improvement that I'm having.
0: All right. Well, let me let me tackle the thing Super Don wanted us to tackle. Well, in the he first didn't want to thing. talk about
3: collagen and. No, cardio not miracle moment.
0: today, maybe, but <laughs> here's what I want to address with you. And I have my perspective. I'm going to share it first and then ask you about your perspective and, okay. and super Don, you can open up your microphone as well. And, and you know, this is the story about the, does the, the constitution require ask the question again? Cause I want to make sure I get it right. Does the constitution depend on morality and religion? Uh, And this is a cautionary tale from John Adams. Now, without reading it or or referencing John Adams' words here, uh, I will say that the Constitution was written precisely because most men could be found to be amoral or immoral and maybe not religious in any way, shape or form. And therefore, the writing the Constitution was to constrain and limit government so that people would go into government, whether they were good, bad or anything, and they couldn't do much damage compared to the previous governments that existed on planet Earth that the founders had studied. I would prefer to have people of high moral standards or, or or ethical standards, however you want to describe that, religious or not, in, I think we'd be better off, but the Constitution itself can't, as you pointed out and others have said, can't defend itself. It's a matter of, are the written words, do they matter anymore, or do people go in, maybe even with good morality, and lose it because of various uh, enticements. I'll buy you, or I will capture you in an inconvenient circumstance and reveal it if you don't do what I say, or other things like that. So the question of John Adams in this, I would be intrigued to learn of your perspective as well, because I always appreciate it, Michael.
3: Man, I got a lot to say. We want to hear from Super Don on this a little bit too. Super Don doesn't seem to be engaged today. Oh,
0: there
1: he I'm goes. the asker of the question. You're the okay. answerer. I don't have an opinion <laughs> on this one. Okay.
3: Well. I, you know, the way I try to share things is just from the perspective of the founders. Now, each one of them, of course, had their own views on things, but there was a lot of discussion during the ratification times and even before that uh, about how – well th- what this really was was an experiment in self-government where people would be able to – rule themselves without having a supreme sovereign, the king in parliament was what they fought a long bloody war to get away from someone or a small group of people representing one individual who could make decisions over the colonies in what they and put in law in 1766 in the Declaratory Act, in all cases whatsoever. So uh, a government that no in any situation, on every issue, they had total complete supremacy. And in many ways We live in a scenario like that today. But the founding generation knew, just like you were saying, Robert, that words on paper don't defend themselves. They can't enforce themselves. They never did. They never will. James Madison, we call him the father of the Constitution, referred in the Federalist Papers to the Constitution he was advocating for. Hey, you guys got to approve this. He called it a mere parchment barrier that needed some outside enforcement. This was a very common understanding. John Dickinson, who was, we could call him uh, the father of the Articles of Confederation. He was the penman of the revolution, one of the most famous founders during the revolution. And he said during ratification that a good constitution promotes, but doesn't always produce a good administration. So the goal of a good constitution is to create an environment where liberty has a chance, but to rely on the document guarantees that it's going to be violated because all the founders agreed on some maxims of human nature that power always grows people once they get in power will always try to twist things around to expand their power and human beings were very flawed creatures so people who are the most flawed tend to be the ones who are drawn to the most power So it's up to the people as Dickinson, Madison, and so many others. James Iredell, one of the first Supreme Court justices, they all told us that it's up to the people to protect and preserve their own constitution and their own liberty, whether the government likes it or not. And so the only type of a a society that is going to do that is one with good, sound, moral standards, people who believe that the government should follow the rules, people who support and love liberty and freedom and don't want to control other people. And even Benjamin Franklin, uh, we just celebrated his birthday uh, from 1706, just two days ago on the 17th. And one of my favorite quotes, and this guy, he's known for so many of them, like haste makes waste and all these things that we still take with us today. But one of my favorite things that he ever said was on the last day of the Philadelphia Convention. We call it Constitution Day, September 17th, 1787. And here he is, old man, he's arguing, saying, We should ratify this thing. But I don't agree with all of it. And that's, well, we're not going to get any better. And a constitution doesn't enforce itself. Eventually, this is going to end in despotism. When the people become so corrupt as every other system before it has happened, mm-hmm. and that's what they clamor for. So as long as the people themselves become corrupt as a as a large part of society, you're going to have a corrupt government ruling over the people. And that's just as the way it's going to be. As long as people themselves have sound principles and love liberty and have the backbone to defend it no matter what— then you're going to have freedom. It's not really about just finding the right people to rule over us or have the right words on paper to tell those people what to do. Yeah. That's the short version.
0: You, there's a longer version, by the way, if you guys watch the Path to Liberty episodes <laughs> always <a> longer version. <laughs> by by Michael Bolden and the Tenth Amendment Center. This was the one you're talking about was from the 17th, right? A couple of days ago.
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, and- I talk about these types of topics all mm-hmm. the time. How the founders expected us to keep the government in check is probably the most important and of course, some of the warnings about how things might play out as well. That's also, but I'm referencing, yes, uh, the episode that I did for Benjamin Franklin's birthday, which was just loaded through up with a bunch of my favorite quotes from him over the years.
0: And, and amazingly enough, you're still available on YouTube.
3: Yeah. Well, I'm not Robert Scott Bell. I'm not <laughs> at that level yet.
0: <laughs> no, I, I'm glad. I want more people to have access to it. I mean, it's it's a bummer anytime we any of us get censored or deplatformed. But uh, the fact that you can be reached that way, I, I I'm I'm glad. Although, like I said, we've we've done a lot more on Rumble, and you you know you've also gave us some indications on places to outreach, and so we've expanded into as you have too. Like I don't care where it's carried, just carry it, and and give yeah, it people some an people complain.
3: To some yeah. people complain. I'm sorry about that. Uh, they complain and they say, oh, you shouldn't be on this platform because they're censor happy. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, yeah. the fact of the matter is, is these platforms, and well, they're not truly free, but we could say yeah. we're not paying cash money to use right. them. And the goal is to reach and teach people. So we're going to go where people happen to be hanging out. And if they happen to be hanging out on a platform that's filled with a bunch of junk and they're willing to hear something that we're hmm. sharing, yeah. yeah, tune in. Uh, so we try to be on as many platforms as possible. I actually started experimenting with some live streaming. I know you guys were doing a little bit with Instagram. Are you still doing it?
0: I don't know. Super Don, do we have Instagram or we just can't figure out how to, because it's only like the center of the screen. Vertical, yeah. So, yeah, you know,
1: I haven't hard... quite figured out and wrapped my head around how to make that work because um, on, on this platform that we have restream, we do have the ability if we wanted to, we could broadcast in le- whatever, I don't know what that's called, but vertical, the, you know, just the vertical, hurtful. Yeah, we could do the whole show in vertical if we wanted to. Yeah, Um, but that wouldn't work for all the other places that people are watching. Right. So it's like, how do we send just vertical to Instagram and and widescreen to everybody else? I don't know that we have the ability to do that. I think Restream would
3: have to have a custom solution for you where they actually allow you to simulcast two separate events. And then you would have to have two browsers open two running formats, the same yeah. content, right, right. one in the widescreen and another one. And that's basically right. what I'm setting up. Okay. I actually got myself another device. I did some TikTok live streaming, okay. and I am blown away.
1: Uh, what are you, am- a commie? You're a communist, yeah, Chinese, yeah, I'm- <laughs> sympathizer? I'm blown
3: away by the amount of people who've tuned in to just a handful of live streams on TikTok. On TikTok. Well,
1: TikTok really honestly is a great platform for reaching people
3: yeah it's really good at what what's interesting what i've noticed the difference between uh, a live stream on instagram or youtube or any of these other platforms rumble whatever and TikTok is on the other platforms what happens is the people who follow you get notified well hopefully and they, you know, will maybe tune in. But TikTok just so aggressively wants to take over the space that they just keep pinging other people that their algorithm thinks might be interested in your stuff. So you just keep getting all kinds of new people that you never wow. even thought you could reach.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: uh, maybe a lot of them absolutely hate everything I have to say. But again,
0: mm. <laughs> the more also-
3: ears that are there.
0: Is that also a vertical format? It is vertical. So what I'm going
3: to start doing, hopefully this next week, is I'm going to have two streams running at the same time. One doing my live stream on Rumble and Odyssey Mm -hmm. and YouTube and Facebook and LinkedIn Mm -hmm. and all those other ones. And X, and then a second one at the same time going straight to TikTok and well, let uh, us know with uh, separate uh, how, cameras too. Yeah, uh, so, it's a yeah, whole yeah so I'm system. setting up a whole yeah. separate rig. Yeah,
0: let it. us know. Maybe that's something we consider as we, you know, grow in outreaches. Yeah, I'll test out. Show. I
3: bought a yeah. I bought a piece of gear that is basically a tablet with uh-huh. a bunch of HDMI inputs, so you can run cameras and stuff like that into it. Oh wow! Uh, and it actually runs natively the Instagram and and uh, TikTok apps for that too. So we'll see. That's wow, what's wild, this dude. piece
1: of of equipment called?
3: It's called the Yolo Live Instream.
1: Okay, Yolo it's also the Live. Yolo Box Studio. I think I may have seen this.
3: Yeah, okay. it's pretty much the only thing out there. It's about a thousand bucks, so it's not right. cheap. Wow. Uh, but I'm gonna try it out, and if it sucks, I'm returning it. <laughs> so, okay, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I gotta try sure. it fast, so because that's yeah. a lot
0: of money, dude. Yeah, that's an investment. But yeah, it is intriguing as we, you know, respond to how to reach folks that really want to hear the message, and maybe some that don't, but that are intrigued by it enough that they might be transformed. And- well,
3: we know what happens if we just sit back in a hole and do nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there is, you know, it's that whole duty is ours. We put the message out there. We talk about the right things that need to have to happen, and uh, the more people that we get listening or watching or reading, the better. I mean, that's really what it gets down to, and that's why at 10th Amendment Center we're so content focused. We put out so many articles and news reports and blogs and, and and books and videos and podcasts just constantly, because of course the way that the, the way that people consume content is through social media primarily. And so we're just hitting it as hard as we can all the time.
0: Nice. Well, the impact it's having, I think it's very real. Uh, Sometimes you're not sure. How do they get the idea? Did they know about the 10th Amendment Center? Did they hear a Michael Bolden thing or not? But one of the articles here that you put out uh, is about The governor of Wisconsin apparently passing a bill or signing a bill to prohibit credit card codes that track firearm purchases. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. It's just going to the governor. And I don't, I think he'll probably veto it.
0: Oh, okay. That sounds more like a Wisconsin governor to me. (laughs) Yes.
3: Although there might be close enough to a veto override. Basically, okay. um, Uh, Early Over recent years, some of the major payment processing networks, and I'm certain there's some push from Washington, D.C. as well, have basically tried to implement something called a merchant category code, MCC. If you run any kind of a business, you know, and you have credit card processing, you know that every business is categorized as something. Membership organization, sporting goods store, groceries, things like that. Uh, publishing etc but so what they've been pushing for and some people who have been pushing for this specifically said we want to be able to know if someone is going to a sporting goods store and buying a basketball or if they're buying a handgun we want to know because they want to track that but if we followed the advice of the founders All guns would be undetectable to the government. Um, So they absolutely want this kind of surveillance apparatus over your purchasing habits and what you buy and sell and things. So they can control you, of course, not to protect you. Yeah. And so they decided they were going to start pushing out these merchant category codes. And early last year, this actually didn't come from us, but it started from some other people, just like you're saying, like... All of a sudden, anytime something new happens, we're starting to see organically, especially if we're talking about organic stuff being good, Mm -hmm. um, we start seeing organically state level responses to try to uh, either undermine or put roadblocks in the way of the implementation. So a handful of states early last year started considering legislation to say it was illegal to use a merchant category code in their state to identify anyone as being a firearms retailer, separate from just general sporting goods. So in other words, it would just kind of ruin the whole thing. And just after a handful of states started considering this, the major credit card company said, oh, we're going to put a pause on this because we don't want inconsistency. It'll create some problems. So merely just considering the legislation, had them slow down. So then from there, I think of four or five states signed that into law this last year. And now Wisconsin might be the next one. Senate Bill 466 passed pretty easily in the Senate. And I think it was 62 to 35 in the state assembly. So it's just under the uh, veto override capability. So they did pass this as well. And we see there's probably another 10 states that'll be considering similar legislation uh, for 2024 as well to ban the use of credit card codes to track purchases of firearms and ammunition.
0: We saw another story about, you know, tracking even uh, references to things like MAGA or, you know, certain phrases. Oh, yeah, yeah. That came right
3: from the FBI, too. Yeah. And soon as you put the the thing is, once you put the some people say, oh, private companies could do whatever. But the way I look at it is soon as the companies start doing this, because of the Patriot Act scenario that we live under today, the government doesn't need to put much pressure on those private companies to say, well, we want access to all this information. So if a private company is out there uh, you know, taking photographs of someone's license plate and keeping detailed records of where people travel and go and where they visit and who they talk to and things like this, Eventually, the government's going to have access to this. So we don't want the companies uh, keeping total data like this either. And so as soon as government gets involved, it's going to get much, much worse because they come in with the guns and say, well, now we have all this information on who might be buying and selling or using certain words uh, like mega or whatever to make a purchase. And we're going to, you know, we're going to flag that. So they have a lot of pressure on the banking system.
0: Yeah. Another thing I'm seeing related to this topic, uh, various states and even just recently, apparently, Trump came out and said there will be no CBDCs if I have my say about it, right? And he also so said centrally- that
3: about Obamacare. I don't trust anyone.
0: Oh, I, I agree. I mean, I'm not saying to trust him, but the fact that it's making the waves means yes. that the, the grassroots that. are percolating and saying it is like, wow, they're now having to pay attention to this issue.
3: Yeah, I, I agree that it's good what happens. What I think is. The worst kind of politician, I think, is generally the one with really strong principles that are bad principles. Hmm. The the easiest ones to work with, of course, are the one in a zillion, the people who have good principles and good backbone. But the ones who are the average, normal people who run for, for positions of power, they tend to have principles that kind of blow with the wind. And they don't have a lot of backbone about it. They'll do whatever's popular. So I think this is kind of a a situation like that. A lot of people are clamoring to oppose a central bank digital currency. I don't think the executive is going to have much success in being able to stop that freight train. But the states sure can make a difference and so far we've seen in florida and indiana laws put on the books where they've changed their ucc uniform form commercial code to say that in state law in business law in the state a central bank digital currency should they ever actually try to implement one would not be considered money in the state and so that doesn't get the same legal protections as other forms of money well it should just be gold and silver real money uh, but that's a different question as well. So a number of states, we probably will see a dozen states consider legislation like that in 2024. The same idea as this merchant category code, addressing something, creating roadblocks to implement it before it even comes out, because they know we know they're going to try to do it and what they're going to try to do with it. So the more difficult it makes it, the more that the federal government has to like maybe say, oh, we're going to sue Florida. Oh, no. Now we have to sue Texas and Alabama and Oklahoma and Wisconsin, all the other states. The more difficulties we create for them, the more likely we'll be able to draw more people to the issue draw more opposition to it and actually prevent it from actually uh gaining a foothold thomas jefferson told us the best time uh to deal with something is before the eagle has put his talons or the the wolf has put his talons in your skin you know once they've gotten in there Mm -hmm. you're in big trouble
0: yeah and and to, to bring back the spirit of nullification whether the feds or the states do the right thing on this issue it would uh, be advisable if I can call it that. I'm just throwing a, a wild. Oh, now idea you're out. so chill after all that CBD. I am. <laughs> so it's a wild idea, I know, is to, if you can't pay cash because the cash becomes worthless, Federal Reserve notes, to begin to integrate other forms of exchange, whether Gold it be backs. considered barter or gold backs right that have the element of privacy because it's a private transaction and engage in more private contracting behavior where you're not in the quote-unquote public domain where they then with their talents or attempt now i'm not saying they won't attempt to because they don't like it when you escape They still them. will attempt. Oh yeah they'll still but the more of us each and every one of you that engages in the different behavior like i said growing food when you're hungry it's too late yes doing Alternative cash purchases when cash is outlawed is too late. It's going to yes. be a lot more difficult. And the point is changing your behavior now while you still have the opportunity to do so. That's, I think, wisdom. Uh, if that's you learn the best. from the founders,
3: that's the best advice. Absolutely. And I was actually just on the Goldback website this week because uh, I was uh, learning from some activists in New Hampshire how much of a foothold it has gained already. Now, I think the New Hampshire Goldback just got released a couple of years ago. And I think it might be the first state where there is a gold back of any prominence where they didn't first legalize gold and silver as money. Yeah, and so it was really interesting to learn to see how far they're getting. They're nowhere close to the amount of retailers accepting gold backs as there are in Utah, which is Utah is just really crushing it on this. You got hundreds of accepting. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. I think, uh, even just a few years ago, they were saying as many as fifty percent of small businesses will at least accept it. Whether people are actually conducting business is another story. But this is yeah. this is really a start. And so in New Hampshire, the people, the free state people. Really, really love the idea of beating the empire. What way can you beat the empire better than to not use their fake money? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so there are people very dedicated to going around to small businesses and say, hey, will you accept this? Will you accept this? Really pushing it out there to people. And there's also legislation in New Hampshire, House Bill 1694, that should be getting a committee vote this next week to treat gold and silver as legal tender in the state as well. So and that'll get it out to the normies should they pass yeah. that into law.
0: Yeah, beautiful. And folks, we have uh, back's available on the website. I don't personally sell anything, but we have links through where you can buy them to have them shipped directly in any state of the nation or around the world, perhaps. They, and there are plenty of people around the world that are actually engaging in it and wanting to. And as I say, don't wait for permission. If you have the ability to engage privately in commerce with someone else and you offer them this, most people will go, oh, yeah. And as I said, I, I've tipped people in goldbacks that don't accept goldbacks in their business. And the light in their eyes when they're being paid for the first time with gold, it's something you'll remember forever. It's like that a is it's so a cool I interaction. Do that. that is so cool. Yeah. It's simply like, you know, one gold back, even in a, an Uber or a Lyft.
3: It's like five it's bucks, like, isn't it? Five USD. It's
0: like four to five bucks now. Yeah. It's like, wow, they just, again, they light up the first time they feel like they've been actually acknowledged for what they're doing, you know, a service or a good or something like that. It's something special when you're giving something of value as opposed to evidence of debt. Even if we don't consciously know that those Federal Reserve notes are, are evidence of debt, um, you y- there is an energetic about it that I think once you get real money, uh, what I call it, uh, y- there's a difference in the exchange. It's more honest, it really is. It's an amazing thing that occurs.
3: There's a guy who used to do some uh, work with us on the monetary issues. His name is uh, William Green or Bill Green. He passed away, but he uh, did a paper and a presentation at the Mises Institute a number of years ago about constitutional money. And he really made a strong case That if you can introduce and get going in the marketplace this type of thing that we see happening with goldbacks, that people just start using it. He said you can have what would be called, and for people who are kind of Austrian economic uh, geeks, would have what's called a reverse Gresham's effect. People have always believed that bad money drives out good. So bad money being the U.S. fiat trash. And it drives out the people from using good. But he takes the position and makes a really strong case that if you can actually get some people start buying and selling in sound money, real money, gold and silver, they're going to learn that their purchasing power stands. And then over time, the good money will actually drive out the bad. Now, maybe that's how it's going to play out. We don't know. It's certainly catching on at least among small businesses and activists in place like uh, Utah, New Hampshire, and a few other places as well. But I'm well, very encouraged by that.
0: Look at how how much small businesses took it on the chin, got hammered during COVID. <sighs> yes. Whereas some of these- And m- many
3: of them are gone, never right? come back. Yeah,
0: and, and you don't forget that easily. No. Uh, you know, as much as Super Don, it says, we all forget it because we have short attention spans. Yeah, oh, I agree. Yes. And short memory issues. But a lot of these people that lost everything- or that are just barely hanging on recognize now that the government is not their friend and put them or contributed to putting them out of business. And guess who benefited these large multinational companies, the Amazons of the world that, you know, yes. are just pass throughs. And so the encouragement here is that the hardships, the suffering that we've endured or are enduring precipitate maybe we call it necessity, but for survival's sake to go, I gotta do this differently. I can't do it the same old way and expect that I'm gonna succeed. And finally, the message of our founders comes back, don't trust the government to manage the economy or to tell you what you can and can't do. Engage in private commerce, if you will, and you'll find that the support for good things will be there and that which is not good will be routed out very naturally without even government intervening.
3: Trust is such an important term to really because what you're talking about is trusting people who have power the lo- of the largest government in the history of the globe not even close yeah if you compare the spending of the US so-called federal government in the land of the free compared to the communist chinese it's like 7 to 8 times the spending and they have way more people. So it's insane how big the land of the free has a government here. And the founders absolutely were. John Adams, for example, said, trust no man living with power to endanger the public liberty. And that really means trust no one with power, including the people who tell you trust no one with power. Because once John Adams got in office, he did a handful of things which were pretty awful. So we, it's, it's an important message. And I think my favorite one along these lines is a guy named old Abraham White this old guy in the Massachusetts ratifying convention he said i wouldn't trust a flock of moseses so when it comes to power over your family your life your liberty you shouldn't trust anyone this is talking about well individual sovereignty if you get if we want to get off the rails a little bit there but that's what mm-hmm. it gets down to the only one you can trust is yourself and we have to focus more on self-reliance and self-defense to have more freedom and more prosperity
0: Okay, I want to hit a topic with you now that'll piss off the left and the right. Okay. Not because I like to do that. I it's, it's like it's a, is
3: the CBD's wearing off. We're getting yeah, grumpy no, maybe. <laughs> I, I It's
0: not like I enjoy pissing people off. But the reality is we have beliefs about a thing or things that we become very attached to. And this is true of, you know, anything in life. But when we talk politics, it gets so ugly. Okay. Uh, and I, I like to be able to speak to principle and go, hey, you know what? Maybe they both got it wrong. There are times where that happens, not to say that there are sometimes one side might get it right on something, but be wrong on everything. else, And they might they might switch. Now, you have on the 15th, your path to liberty of four days ago from the the live uh, broadcast today on the 19th. uh, You talked about the big like the Jefferson and the war with the Barbary states. Mm. I've heard both the left and right argue you know, whatever was done that might not be fully accurate, especially as it relates to a lot of, like even the the most, the latest thing the Biden administration is doing, uh, sending missiles into the Houthis uh, over there in Yemen or whatever, uh, without a declaration of war by Congress. Again, there hasn't been a declaration, as far as I know, of war since World War II. Correct. So the the Congress is not engaged in its authority under the Constitution and obligation. So how do we go back all the way to the Barbary Pirates at the the dawning of the, the Constitution in America and go, we got it wrong that quick. What was it that got wrong? What, what was it right? What's wrong about history? Can you clear it up for us?
3: Well, actually, Jefferson got it right. <laughs> but what's interesting is a lot of people who like to support unconstitutional a unilateral executive war powers basically saying the executive branch the uh, the president because he's commander in chief has the ability to engage in various forms of warfare we don't call it warfare it's a limited conflict etc use of the military forces against Other countries or groups can do it without even asking Congress. No, nothing at all. It's just maybe you can let them know in a couple of days or a couple of months and everything's cool and everything's fine. And the argument goes from left and right. Absolutely. Is that, well, Thomas Jefferson did that. Thomas Jefferson, uh, you know, he bombarded Tripoli. He waged war against the Barbary states, and he never even asked Congress. And they've been telling us this lie for decades. But one only needs to look at the history. And I this is maybe my most boring Path to Liberty podcast episode ever, because I just did a timeline of the history of exactly what Jefferson did. But if you really want to understand that this is total garbage and Jefferson was actually far more restrictive than anyone has told the story, he basically said, like, look, we can't do anything. He was unauthorized by the Constitution to go beyond the line of defense. And that included even after Tripoli officially declared war on the United States had been seizing ships when they fought off a ship that was attacking one of the u.s ships all they could do was disarm the ship and set it free. They took the position that they weren't even allowed to destroy it until Congress declared war or gave them permission to do so. So Jefferson was extremely strict in his approach with the Barbary states. And then after that, he went to Congress in December of 1801 and said, this is what's been going on. We fought off a ship. We disabled it. We set them we set them on their way. And now I think what we really need to do is have your authority, because you exclusively make this decision, he said, to go on, the, uh, have measures of offense. And so on February 6, 1802, they gave him approval, some limited approval to go on the offense. And that's exactly what he did. So the argument that Jefferson just went to war without Congress is just, I don't know how they got to this, but it's totally made up.
0: So it's right
3: there in the congressional
0: record is it not what you're describing yes. you're not making it yes this and up. there's
3: there's extensive documents going back and forth from people like James Cathcart who was the consul in Tripoli at the time he uh wrote to uh, James Madison he sent a circular to all the other consuls around the Mediterranean and the European states pointing out that on May 14th 1801 they had actually the Pasha of Tripoli Pasha Yusuf had officially declared war on the United States and he had been warning for months, okay, they're about to attack, they're about to attack, they're about to attack. And then he declared war, and Jefferson had sent some ships in the meantime with an office offer of peace, but specific instructions that said, if they declare war, then you can put a blockade on the harbor and prevent anyone from trying to get out because they're trying to attack our ships. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what they did. But it was very limited, it was very straightforward, it's all very documented and I did cover it in that episode if anyone wants all the boring details but it's important stuff because this is what the this is the justification we've heard George Bush and, and, and everyone over. since yeah. was that they you know I mean if you're saying the constitution has to be followed even Jefferson violated this and that's just been a total lie
0: apparently he didn't and that's the point here
3: yeah uh, he was actually more restrictive on it than i have been my hmm. view has always been And I get this from the founders. The the power to declare war is not just about issuing a document that's saying we're declaring war. It's about changing the state of things from peace to war. Jefferson, Madison, George Washington, even Alexander Hamilton, they all agreed that that's what the power to declare war, to just basically tell the world that we are now in a state of war with these people. And once war is declared, then the executive can go to town. But Jefferson actually, and so the idea is, is that if someone else declares war against you, either in word or in action by attacking you, then you are in a state of war and that decision has already been made. And so a lot of people, including myself, have taken the position that if someone else attacks you, you are already in a state of war. If someone else declares war, you are in a state of war and the president can respond. But Jefferson was far more limited because he took the position that, well, maybe the representatives of the people and the states don't want to go into a full-scale war in response so they have to be consulted first all i can do is go to that line of defense and he actually went to advisement to his first uh, attorney general Uh, attorney general levi lincoln to albert gallatin secretary of the treasury james madison secretary of state james madison took the position that if american ships were attacked after a war was declared on the u.s if congress has not declared war they can only chase down in response if they've been attacked they can't pursue otherwise they can't sink them they can't do any of that stuff uh, and this was a very, very limited view, and including the Secretary of the Navy took the position, same position as well. They could not be aggressive about it at all. They could not bombard cities in response to a merchant ship being attacked, for example.
0: Mm. Very mature <laughs> acknowledgement well, of history as opposed to the emotional histrionic response. Often it happens on both sides of the political fence, so to speak. And uh, uh, I appreciate the uh, integrity with which you bring your arguments, right? You're not just going half-cocked because you feel a certain way. Well, I I did, I think, that's the thing. I
3: did feel that I I took the Hamiltonian view, which was, and I I guess what I should acknowledge is that there is debate from the founders over just how far you can go in response. Mm -hmm. The Hamiltonian position was that once someone declares war, then there is no need to actually have a declaration of war in response. You just you are just in charge and the executive can make that decision. Well, but the Jeffersonian view was, no, we can still only go to the line of defense, a very yeah. strict line of defense without going to Congress first.
0: Yeah. And it seems to me that Congress, you know, historically or even in a contemporary fashion, if somebody declared war on the United States, Congress would probably respond in kind. because, Like, it's like
3: December 7th, 1941. Right. Right. That's exactly what they did. And FDR actually asked for a death. Man, FDR was a monster, right? Just absolutely horrible. Destroyed so many economic principles. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to war powers, he actually approached it the right way. Even after that attack, he still went to Congress and said, hey, declare war. And they did have an official declaration of war. That was really the right way to do it.
0: Yeah. And I think it was, you know, the the relative recent memory of World War One, And the reluctance Mm. of America to engage in another war. And We talked also about the controversies of, did he let it happen? Did he know? Sure. Because, you know, the argument was just like the PNAC commission, right? In the late 1990s, we need another Pearl Harbor. The idea of historically, the people don't want to go to war typically, because it means the average folks are going to be the ones that suffer the most. (laughs) Yes. And so in order to do that, you have to engage the fires of outrage and anger and all of that. And, um, you know, an attack on your country or country, that's, they know that does it. Uh, or fear, you know, fear of something. We've talked about the, the, you know, the unwillingness to, uh, let's say, shut down churches. Like in the history of America, it's like who would ever think that that would ever? No, that'll they'll right. never get it. And look what happened, right? Yeah. Afraid of a germ? Yep, we'll shut down the churches. So that's as long a big as people pardon. allow it. Yeah, yeah, it's the compliance. That's the problem. Uh, nullification is yours. And it is happening on an interpersonal level, much less on levels at the state level and otherwise. And it's a big part of why uh, I so much enjoy having this guy, Michael Bolden, on the show, 10th Amendment Center. And if you guys aren't members yet, that's one of the, the the things that where membership is something that you're welcome to be part of. And I am. Not many places I'm a member of or would have me, but I would have you all be part of that. So if you can I support.
3: Mean, I'm kind of 50-50 on you myself. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I get that, but I'm still going to insist. <laughs> I don't know. Robert's supporting. a little
3: radical, you guys. I don't know. It's yeah. It it can be considered a
0: construed as true. I don't know how Super Don has hung out with me all these years, and then now he's gone organic. It's got to be some kind of cult.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: it just took you 18 years to to convince me. See I how guess.
0: patient I am and persistent. I'm in it for the long haul. You know, I realize the quick fix isn't the way to go. Uh, this is a long haul scenario. And when we talk about long haul or long haulers or long COVID, Super Don and I are working on setting up a lot of interviews for a very special, uh, event that's coming up, you know, later in the year, but we're, we're engaging in it now, including helping people overcome the damage that, that has been incurred by, by trusting government and those who have controlled government and medicine and pharmaceuticals, et cetera. hmm All right, hear, hear. We're, we got a few more minutes with Michael Bolden. He can't hang out. I was the, waiting uh, for show. I was
1: waiting for Bolden go. Was, was there a question in there somewhere? Yeah, no. I wasn't going to let him do it. He didn't that. do it that time. I,
0: there he is. He's smiling though. That's good. <laughs> uh,
3: sometimes sometimes a pause is fun with a live stream. Yes. I don't mind.
0: Pregnant pauses, uncomfortable pauses, whatever they're called. It can happen and I'm like, I'm chill. I've been doing this uh it's my 25th year. I think we'll survive it.
3: Usually, I just never shut up, so a pause is kind of nice.
0: <laughs> yes, every once in a while, a sip of tea is good, uh, or whatever. So, uh, anyway, as we're wrapping up here, do we want to fit in the question of the day with Michael, or wait for the uh, the bonus round and do the question? I'm I'm flexible either way.
1: Hey, we could do it now.
0: You got a question of the day? Okay, question of the day from Catherine. from Catherine. I have your book, "Unlock the Power to Heal." I follow the truth about cancer. I read Dr. McCullough, Dr. Axe, and have so many health and nutrition books, and yet my 13-year-old son is deteriorating from what we now think is Crohn's. I noticed his weight loss and decline in growth for the past couple of years. I have a functional doctor and multiple types of chiropractors, and we are failing him, all failing him, she says. He just got out of the ER, and now I don't know what to feed him to heal. I'm so confused about what to do next. At the moment, he is drinking bone broth daily along with organic jello, bananas, supplements and uh, the functional and chiropractor recommended. And he uh, continues to have blood in every stool. I don't know where to, to be for help, Catherine. Well, this is as difficult as, as it ever comes. And I'm hearing hearing this more frequently, not less frequently, even though this is one of the things that I'm known for, helping people that are disastrously, disastrously at the end of their uh, gastrointestinal rope, so to speak. And it, you know, it does come back to the silver aloe gut recovery accelerator of healing the tissue. But it also simultaneously comes back to the minerals needed, like copper, like silica, to repair connective tissue. And it also comes back to the homeopathics that I've talked about that address the metabolic and energetic aspect of of, of, of doing the right thing. And I mean this by the metabolic intelligence of creation itself. And I believe homeopathy works with you in that way. So, um I might need to call this person and talk to them about some of this stuff off the air. Cause it's very complicated yet simple at the same time, but boy, the emotions, the exhaustion associated with a 13 year old at this point in their lives is just, you know, I feel it in the gut, in the heart as well as a parent, much less as someone who cares, uh, you know, from a holistic healthcare per- per- perspective, <sighs> that's yeah, it's a lot.
3: That's no joke, man. Yeah. But I I always find it fascinating how in almost every one of these you start with the gut.
0: Yeah, and and, and the can just that's another thing. The Alta Health products can just it's a, a not a fancy formulation. It's been the same for generations, and yet it stood the test of time to correct and heal. And, and do things that, God bless those doctors, but all they're doing is, you know, ameliorating symptoms, but also destroying the connective tissue integrity. When I say the road to colostomy bags is paved with antibiotics and prednisone, it's not an exaggeration. It's not gotten better in gastroenterology. You know, they're not yeah. doing the things that we know can be done to regenerate tissue. And of course, you know, this boy is only able to consume a little bit of you know, bone broth and some basic stuff. And as long as you can get these little bits and things in, at least you won't waste away totally. But we've got to work hard to, dis- to really correct course and restore integrity to the tissue because without the tissue integrity, we don't have function. And the function is gone
3: in this young man.
1: <sighs>
3: so
0: anyway. Bolden had
1: his, has his hand up.
3: Go ahead, Michael. Pick me. So talking about bone broth, uh, yeah. you, the last time I was on, you guys showed my chicken in the crock pot. So I've now twice made... A roast chicken, organic and organic bone broth. It's so gelatinous when I'm done. I'm using
2: uh, mm. chicken food. Oh, I did good a, stuff. I yeah. did chicken. I mean,
3: it's literally just all just goo. And I've been like <laughs> dumping it in stuff on a day-to-day basis. Oh, yeah. And I love bone broth. I can tell my digestive system loves it as well. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do beef, but finding organic beef versus grass-fed seems mm-hmm. almost impossible. And I've read some places that are like, oh, organic isn't as important with beef, but is that yeah. really the case? What's your thoughts?
0: Yeah, when you go to a, a butcher or find a source that isn't organic but it is grass fed and grass finished, and you you know you have the validation, I don't think the organic quality is is as far as the label as is, is critical. And we do that. We'll okay. We'll do grass fed, grass finished, and we we'll, we have local butchers that we work with as well that make it uh, much more reasonable to do that. Uh, so, I agree. The, the issue of certified organic, of course, comes into play if, let's say, the, the cattle are eating grains. Mm. Uh, you know, likely they're going to eat GMO grains loaded yeah. with glyphosate. Okay. There can be cattle that they feed organic grains to, but I don't particularly care to eat cattle that are eating food they're not supposed to be eating.
3: So grass fed so, is the number right. one goal on the beef end of things.
0: It is for me. And and, okay. and recognizing there are good suppliers and ranchers that are allowing them to eat just grass. Yeah. It's not pesticide laden. It's just grass as grass grows.
3: Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. Cause uh, mm-hmm. I kind of held off and I did another round of chicken because I couldn't find every store I went to. I could not find that is the
1: that is what we have been running into because you know we're we're new at this thing. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we did manage to find some organic beef. In fact, last night I, I surprised myself at how well I, I cooked a couple of organic ribeyes.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, um,
1: man. Now they're smaller than the ones like you get in the Still, restaurant. Right. But I uh, I looked up a video of Chef Ramsay because I didn't know how to pan-fry steak the right way. And so I, mm-hmm. I checked out this YouTube video of Chef Ramsay showing you how to pan-fry. And, dude, it, it turned out so good. I don't usually brag. But I mean, it's like oh. I was eating that. And I was just like, this is like something is you the get in a time, restaurant. It really turned mm-hmm. out good. what
3: you do? Two minutes, two minutes, and just one minute, sear? one, yeah, yeah. one, yeah, yeah.
1: one, yeah. one back and forth, and okay. threw some organic butter with some garlic and some thyme oh, in there, geez. and then basted it as you were flipping it around and turning yeah. it. Then you took it out and you let it rest on the on the yes. thing for a few minutes there. You know, and then it was just like, holy moly, man. This, Everyone's I'd, going
0: to Super Don's this weekend, <laughs> right? By the way, uh, this is my day of fast. and uh, Oh, I'm that's right. It. It's okay. It's okay. There you go. But I'm, I'm just
3: I'm here as a test because then me and Super Don can talk about like steak and this just test. We're doing homemade
1: or organic chicken noodle soup tonight. Oh, well, dude, yeah. that's yeah. amazing. Hey guys,
0: yesterday my wife, t- you know, took a whole organic chicken. And now, don't uh, do
1: this because I, that, that's false advertising. That the organic big. chickens are more like this.
3: Was, it was like this.
0: And they're
1: 20 it, bucks. They're
0: There's like eight, three eight, to four, four pounds at five have, bucks a pound. for sure. It was, sure. Uh, yeah. it, it was eight, 18 bucks. But okay. we did with the organic jerk seasoning. So we had a little Ooh. bit of Jamaica action happening yesterday. Nice. It was fantastic. So nice. Uh, and uh, we had my son and his roommate over. So it was a big feast. So we had a good time. And also the, the mashed potatoes were the potatoes I grew. In the summer. So oh, we're still we're
3: still, awesome.
0: we're still benefiting by a lot of the the things we grew in the summer and also things that are grown in the greenhouse, uh like the uh Swiss chard and different things like that. So I've
3: been eating a lot of potatoes lately.
0: hmm It's lovely. Well, listen, we're we're going over time and I know uh Michael, you have to run, but good Lord, love you, my brother, and uh love give back. my hug to Sarah Beth as well. You know and, what? I hope to see you again soon. And I'm so glad I wasn't traveling this Friday. So that it was, no I was wondering, I'm like, Oh
3: man, I hope we don't miss this week. So
0: Yeah. I'm trying to it travel on out. Mondays more than Fridays based on missing you. So oh, just that's so you know. of course. Yeah. Yeah. Just, so you mean that much. So well,
3: you guys rule. I appreciate you having me here always. All, All right. right.
1: We'll do
0: it again. Bonus you know round coming up after Michael tells you what you need to know. The power to heal is. Yours. yours. Yes. All right, bonus round commences after a little bit of motorsports activity there.
1: Yeah, uh, you know that was a bike race, is what it yeah. was, and uh, it, it was kind of crazy because you had all the bikers, and then the bike, the guys were racing the bicycles, mm-hmm. followed by it looked like I'm guessing cars mm-hmm. that were on the team of the right bicycle racers that had like extra bikes that were on top of their. They're mm-hmm. co- followed by ambulances, and they're all going along the road. they following the bike you know, on the race. Yeah, it tells you how safe
0: that is. They're ready. Yeah. They're yeah. ready. Hey, by the way, speaking of motorcycles, have you ever ridden a motorcycle yourself?
1: Uh, it, well, no. Well, yes, I have. Okay. Um, I, I've ridden as a passenger, and I did ride a little motorbike one time, and it mm-hmm. was a disaster. Was it like a
0: little fifty cc bike or what? It
1: was just a just little little motorcycle. I, I, you know, I had never ridden a motor. Well, okay, let me let me start from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I am the son of a California Highway Patrolman. Right. Uh, motorcycles were not something that were encouraged uh, for me.
0: Your dad um, knew too
1: much. He knew too much. He did yeah. well, and you know, he had a, a subscription. The you know, the 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 officers, at least back then. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they do now, but they. There's a magazine that's uh, for officers that goes around that that they get. And uh, there's a section of that magazine that is accident photos. Because that's one of the things they do whenever there's a motorcycle accident, a car accident, like oh, that. They take pictures, of the most
0: brutally, and they put the pictures oh, yeah. in the
1: magazine. And so, you know, I every once in a while I'd look at it, and I just, I get to see all the people with the fancy fast cars and the motorcycles, and these accidents it's horrible. I mean, just like traumatizing PTSD, you know, things that you can't forget. Um, so I was discouraged, and you know, I just never have been a fan of of motorcycles. Um. So yeah, uh, there was uh, one time that I was with a friend of mine he had had some property off in the middle of nowhere. His family did, and he had a motorcycle. I was like, "Here, ride a motorcycle." Now I, you know, me, instead of going, you know what? I've never ridden a motorcycle. I'm just like, okay. <laughs> and so yeah, I get I get on this motorcycle, and the funny thing is, is uh, I mean, I really it, it ended up going downhill, and. I, you know, I'm like, I don't really know. I mean, I know there's like a brake, you know, handle thing on the, on the handle, something like that, yeah. but I just, no brakes. Story oh, of my life, right? All gas, no brakes. Yeah. I drove through a barbed wire fence. Oh, no. I didn't
0: know about this story.
1: Yeah. I, mean, I had I was, no idea. I must have been, I don't know, how old was I? I was maybe 18, something like that. Well, did you end in pieces or did you stitch it I got up? lucky. I got yeah. lucky because when I hit the barbed wire, mm-hmm. uh, it hit me about chest. Okay. rather than neck oh it hit me about yeah. chest. Had it, had, that could have been bad but it hit me yeah. like chest so it kind of marked me up a little bit i broke the the barbed wire you know wow. snapped it yeah. as i rolled through <laughs> oh gosh. so yeah that's that's oh, my wow. my wonderful uh motorcycle experience All so right. long story to answer your question mm-hmm. so why did you ask
0: well i don't know it because when I saw the bikers, I was thinking motorsports, motorcycles. I mean, those were human, bicycles, by the way. not you know, motorcycles. The, but yeah, it. but the but the human motor is where I was at. Yes. But then again, I just I just had a wild hair to ask you because I don't. That's one thing i would never asked you.
1: If you know, my there. son uh, was a year ago. I remember ish, he bought one. Didn't like he buy, he bought a Harley. Yeah, I mean, Do you still a, have it. It's a very. Oh yeah, yeah. Is it's it, very
0: he doing okay on it. He's good with it.
1: He doesn't ride it a whole lot, really. Okay. I mean, he bought it, and and you know, the weather has not been ideal for that you know yeah. but um it makes me nervous you know it's like every time he goes to mm-hmm. ride the bike i'm like all right you be careful and i i, I follow uh my wife and i followed him home as he because he and we moved out got his own place mm-hmm. by the way i suppose yeah. i could i could mention this but uh he popped the question to his his uh significant other uh yesterday really and, and what was the response he got a yes on that
3: so. woohoo
0: now, um, this doesn't require you to put on another wedding, though. No. Okay. They
1: better not. Anyway. Oh, my gosh. Right. At least there's I, one tradition. If you have was, a son, you don't have to cover it that same yeah, way. Yeah. With my daughters, it was, you oh, know, really. parents of the bride. You're supposed right. to be responsible for that. Um, so, anyway, yeah. But, yeah. So, anyway, he uh, he moved into his own place. We had to follow him uh, uh, to his house. He was taking the bike home, and, and the yeah. weather was not great. So, we just want to make sure he's okay. Wow. It just made me nervous the whole time. Yeah, I just, I just, whatever. I, you know, people say I'm overreacting. Yeah, it's not that bad, <laughs> but um, it, it just, isn't. I'm it not, is. I'm, not, I'm a parent. Not a big fan of it. So
0: heck, I was nervous when my kids started driving. You know, even though they're in a car.
1: And speaking of of uh, wedding did did I mention to you that we got the pictures back on from the wedding?
0: Uh, I think you did. I don't know if we've seen a lot of them on, on here, but...
1: I've got uh, two pairs. I'm I'm in the middle right now. Of, I guess I'm just going to print them myself. Um okay. Because... You have them uh, as digitals. I do. And I, I wanted to... I, I was hoping for like a one-hour photo place here, but there's two of my favorite ones. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, us, that's great. That's us that. doing the... Look uh, at Proud Dad. The father-daughter yeah. dance there.
0: Oh, man. Suave, man. Oh, yeah. Look at her. It's gorgeous. I know. It was great. What an event. What an event. You survived it. You did. Did, did great. Yep. I know If all the time behind the scenes we were talking about. I'm like, I'm so nervous for you. You know, all you <laughs> we went through to get there. It was like, Oh my God. It was a what bit stressful.
1: And it was, and it was deal, you know, man. we, we had other people that were catering and stuff. So we didn't have to worry about the cooking because, mm-hmm. you know, normally, as yeah. you know, you know, every time there's any type of a thing, you know, my wife yeah. is the one that ends up doing the cooking, but right. I was like, no, Actually, you know the next thing we got coming up here, I think it's in March mm-hmm. uh, is uh my daughter's uh, baby shower, yeah, um, and you know we don't do anything simple, so it's <laughs> it's not gonna be quite on the same level. It's gonna be for about maybe twenty people, but it's gonna be kind of fancy and stuff, but mm. anyway, so there's a super exciting update of my life but.
0: Uh, I just saw a comment come into our website. So the end of show credits are great. It is so cool and so fun watching these guys dance. Oh, huh. It's from someone named Ocean Mist.
1: Ocean Mist.
0: Yeah. All right. So thanks for commenting well, on that. Again, thank you for creativity. that.
1: You know, uh, for the longest time we had, uh, it was just, you just looked at a a, a image, right? A logo. Mm-hmm. And I was just yeah. like, man, you know, we should do something. Switch it up, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that might be kind of humorous to have those guys dancing so thank you very much ocean mist and thank you for watching the show do appreciate that
0: i'm i'm writing back to Catherine, who we answered that question of the day about her son okay. right now so keep talking just answer all
1: right me. so looking over on rumble says we got 44 people watching but we've got an empty chat room which is okay you got nothing to say that's all good we appreciate you guys watching us on rumble We got people watching us on Facebook as usual. Uh, We've got somebody watching us on Twitch. You know, we need to start promoting X. X, yeah. (coughs) How do we broadcast there every day?
0: I, I kind of post when we open the show, uh, like a, this is what's happening. We're live now, but I also link right back to our website. I'm not sure how to do it again. Anybody that knows how to do that better than we do, you'd be be great to help. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of different places. That we could. Uh, and then there's, up, of course, the uh,
1: the podcast, which we have going out on multiple platforms, including mm-hmm. SoundCloud, but we're yep. on iTunes and Amazon and TuneIn and several other places. So we appreciate you guys as well and your support. That's the reason why we do this. Mm-hmm. Robert and I could just call each other on the phone and talk to each other if we right, wanted to. Right, we could do
0: but, that, yeah. But, uh, all right, less than three so hours there was, from now. Oh, no, there was, less than two hours from now.
1: Uh, Yeah, well, what is it? Four o'clock? Yes, less, less than two hours.
0: So if you're still with us, sign up for the Key to Elite Performance, the Oxygen Connection. And I've got uh, professional golfer, champion guy, PGA, Keith Clearwater on with Keith me. Keith Clearwater. He's a cool dude. He is a cool dude. And Jason yeah. and John Hewlett. We're going to talk about elite performance athletics. And you don't have to be a professional athlete to appreciate the stuff. I mean, I'm not a professional athlete, but I just love what I'm able to do. Thanks to what we're going to share with you today. That's today, Friday, January 29th. No, 9th, 19th. My mom's birthday is the 29th, the 19th, uh, four o'clock Pacific, seven o'clock Eastern coming up. We also have a plant-based, uh, challenge January 29th through February 2nd. For those that like to go plant-based or learn how to do it better, a beginner's boot camp. That's in the upcoming events tab at robertscabell.com, And then we've got a lot of other upcoming events and w- more to add so oh yeah we I didn't mention that there it is the plant-based beginner's boot camp and there's this the, one too this one yeah I've, I didn't mention this uh this is the be healthy Utah we've done this a few years in a row in Sandy outside of Salt Lake and that's going to be the 19th and 20th Friday and Saturday of April 19th and 20th of April so y'all check that out if you want to head that that way and then of course the RSB family RSB show family reunion Uh, And that's 2024, living an abundant life and growing together, Uh, thanks to Leslie, who has a new
1: podcast out
0: on the RSB Show Family Network. I call it Family Network. It's pretty
1: family friendly, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we need a preacher in Polish. Girl,
0: we haven't had one of those in a long time. I know they're so busy.
1: All right. Well, uh, I hope y'all enjoyed Dr. Joe Latipo
0: and Michael Bolden. How did you like it? Were you paying attention to Dr. Joe Latipo? I thought he was terrific. Yeah,
1: I did. I, I like how uh, when you ask him a question yeah, that perhaps he needs to be a little bit careful about the way he answers. Yeah. It's, I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. I hear well, you.
0: And, 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 you know, part of it is his training. <laughs> he's got to be careful. I mean, listen,
1: yeah. he is. You know, there's...
0: Look, look for any excuse to attack him. They yeah. are. But I think he's got a man of great <laughs> integrity. Right. And he's got an
1: awesome wife. And dude, how often is it that you get to have the attorney general of any state just come on the show? Yeah. And just be like, Yeah, hey, I, I appreciate you yeah, know, I like I like being here. Like like, you know, it's like that's really cool. That's gonna happen
0: more and more, especially when Jonathan Emore becomes a US senator.
1: Right. From
0: Virginia. And speaking of that, those of you who are in Virginia or know people in Virginia still need volunteers. In fact, they're even paid uh, positions it, to get out there and get these signatures to get uh, Jonathan on the ballot everywhere that needs to happen. It's a lot of work, but they're actually covering your, your uh, car expenses to get there and stuff. So if you know of anybody go to emord4va.com and share that we need all the help. In fact, I'm planning to fly back out to Virginia and I don't have a date yet. We're working on it to actually hit the ground with them. That's how committed I am to help him. Uh And I'm not going to charge him. Not that I would, but I mean, you know, the point is I'm going to volunteer and I'm happy to do so. Uh, so we're working on that as well. All right. What else? What else? Anything else before we wrap up and end the weekend? Do we have a Sunday conversation? We're still struggling. No, with this. we
1: don't. I, I actually I meant to talk to you about that because I was going to send an email out and then I forgot. Oh. I had, we had a quest, uh, a request, an email request to get Naomi Wolf back on, and it was suggested that she would be a good Sunday conversation. But um, I agree I st- with that. I can still send it out. Uh, she would and see. I mean, we have to see what her availability would be tomorrow. Yeah. At this point, but we can try. But we'll yeah, we'll figure something out. Okay. Um. Sounds good. I've got yeah. an
0: eight, 8 a.m. Uh, my time uh, tomorrow morning radio show broadcast of some kind. Uh, so I'll be up early. Won't sleep in on a Saturday. So I'm
1: I'm running out to uh, uh, Wairika tomorrow. How far to, is that? Uh, go see my sister. That's uh, about an hour and a half. It's not far, okay. far. And then uh be back for the in time for the uh Forty Nineers and Packers mm. playing uh tomorrow. You're distracted.
0: Huh. I am. I just saw a, a nice comment from Chris, our buddy. Yeah, Dr. Joseph Latipo being on the show multiple times, as well as on many other shows, sets a good example to point out to community-sponsored, left-leaning radio stations that they can invite them on, too. Mm. Trying to be a good example for all y'all, right? So, yeah. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate you. There you uh, go. So, sorry about that distraction, but that popped in. That's like, okay. Chris is talking. Okay. I'm with you.
1: All right. That's all we got. So- all right. So,
0: let's take a less than two-hour break and be back together for the elite health performance, fitness, uh, whatever it is
1: we're doing. Be there or be square.
0: Yeah, or sign up even if you can't be there so you can watch the replay on it. It's going to be good. Looking forward to that, and looking forward to seeing y'all. And then uh, some kind of Sunday conversation. And back uh, real quick, let me look at what we got uh, Monday coming up. Uh, Kate Birch, we're going to talk homeoprophylaxis. Ooh. That's timely because of that story of that midwife in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we also have Kevin and Heather Henning from Trinity School of Natural Health uh, promoting all the good stuff that's happening there. And let's see what else we got. Um, got a greenhouse meeting. Oh, Dr. Jason Dean is back on the show on Tuesday. And Rob Jenkins on Tuesday. Uh let's see. Dr. Ari Ra on Wednesday. So we got some some good, good stuff coming up. We're... Climbing the charts, getting to 2,000 guests by, well, maybe well before the end of the year, the way we're going. Uh, But uh, it's 25th year broadcast healing, and I'm glad and honored and humbled to be here that y'all would still show up and share the show. So thank you.
1: All right. You guys have a good rest of the day. Have a good weekend, and we'll see you soon.